two brothers and gamers that have been playing games since the early 1980s. Combined, they have over 65 years' experience. Join them each week as they discuss and rant about gaming and entertainment news. This is Generation X Gaming. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to another week, another episode of Generation X Gaming, the weekly podcast that goes over a few of the top stories from the past week, and we rant along the way. Joining me each and every single week is my bro, Sarge. What's going on, bro? He's not frozen. He's just... Yeah! yeah he's just, he's just, <laughs> there's no technical difficulties this week. How's it no, going? You can't, you can't say that. Any minute. <laughs> yeah, any minute. Oh! <laughs> there it goes! It's gone! And that's the last episode we ever heard. On this week's episode, we're going to be talking about The Division 2. Um, I've been playing it again, so we're going to talk about that, and we're going to be talking about the expansion that's coming out uh, next uh, next month, which is right around the corner. We're going to be talking about Disney. Walt Disney World Company is looking for other developers to make them video games, which was strange because they got rid of all their video games, and now they're ready to come back in. We're going to be talking about E3. Uh, in three parts, there's PlayStation, there's Xbox, and then there's Keeley. Right, we're going to be talking about Jeff Keeley, uh, and it's we're going to be talking about what he didn't say, right? The stuff that he didn't say that uh, is the speculation of where I'm going to go. Okay, uh, we're going to be talking about Bioware and the clusterfuck as known as Anthem. We're going to be talking about that. We're going to be talking about Outriders, and the way I stated it in the beginning of the show, I said another live service game. It's not a live service game. That was the question, right? Like another live service game. Uh, so we're going to talk about Outriders. Uh, it's it seems okay. So we're going to be talking about movies today. We're going to be talking about Birds of Prey. I mean, I'm sorry, Harley Quinn and the Birds of Prey, right? And the Birds of Prey. We're going to talk about Honey, I Shrunk the Kids. Someone's coming back, which is it's amazing. And uh, we're going to be talking about the largest. I don't know if you guys know this. The largest first-person shooter game ever in the history of first-person shooter games is going to be a movie. And I know everyone right now is thinking Call of Duty. And that's not it. But we'll tell you what it is. Uh, all on today's show. Uh, so, let's get started. You can listen to us every single week right here on Mixer.com slash 30 and still gaming. You can also watch the past broadcast on YouTube.com slash 30 and still gaming. And you can listen to all the audio versions of all the shows except for like two. Uh, on iTunes, Google Play, Spotify, and Anchor.fm. And if you would like to support us in any way, shape, or form, you can hit us up on the audio formats uh, as little as 99 cents. Uh, all the shows are free. They've always been free. And we're starting our sixth season, as it says, right up on top of there. So I do appreciate you guys coming out every single week and listening, watching. Yeah, it's right. It's right there. It's right there. No. Um, so let's get started. So... Division 2, right? I want to talk about Division 2. Is this? It's a game that I, I love to hate. It's the only purchase that I ever decided that I felt regret buying on Division 1, okay? And then so much so when Division 2 came out, I was like, I'm not doing it. I'm not buying it. I'm not getting it. I'm not doing it. I waited a week and a half, two weeks. I watched everyone else play it. Everyone's like, it's awesome. It's so much better, and I'm looking at it, and I'm like, it does look better. It does seem good. This is all but, and I and I bought it, and instantaneously after buying it, I was like, oh, I, I, 
I regret this again. And I figured out why I regret it because it's the way they structure the fucking content. Like it's so convoluted on what you get for what you buy and what you this, right? So anyway, I haven't played since I don't know summertime of of 2019 and now I'm I'm playing again and I missed episode 1, I missed episode 2 and I now episode 3 just came out on Tuesday, okay? And I thought I had the season pass because of the convolution of, of, of the stuff that happened. I thought I had the season pass, which I didn't. So I have to wait seven days after the fact to go play the content that comes out. So that's what's happening Why? now. But that's just because. Just because. So I want to go over I want to go over their 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 buy now plan here. Right, let, me, let me bring this up on the screen. Okay. First off, you have to look at the screen, and then you go, like, all right, I'm playing on Xbox, so I'll click on the Xbox. And then I go, okay, do I want physical copy or digital copy? If you get the physical copy, you can only get one thing, and that's the standard game, the game, the physical copy, right? Then you have to get the year one pass and, and stuff afterwards. But if you get the digital copy, okay, if you just get the game, you get the, you get the game, okay? And then if you get the Warlords of New York expansion, which is the new expansion that comes out next month, okay, you get... The expansion, and you get the booster. Okay, so you're just buying the expansion if you already own the game. But if you don't own anything, you get the Warlords of New York edition, and you get the game, the expansion, and the boost. Okay, or you can get the Warlords of New York Ultimate Edition, which gets you the game, the expansion, the boost, the year one pass, and the ultimate pack. If you get any of the other ones, you don't get the year pass. You don't get the year one pass, right? You only get the year one pass, the one I'm missing which has no benefits right now of the year one pass because after Tuesday, right? Think about this. After Tuesday, the year the year one pass, okay, is free for everyone that bought the game. You just get seven days after the launch. Well, after Tuesday, the seven days is gone. So if you buy the pre-order, if you buy the pre-order it doesn't matter anymore because you are automatically get the year one. But it does not say that on the standard edition. It doesn't say that in the Warlords New York edition. It doesn't say any of that in anywhere, shape, or form. So they just might make you buy the ultimate edition. Okay. On top of that, is there a year two pass? There's like a battle pass system that's coming out. It's just so convoluted. I just want to know what I'm buying and I want to play the game. Right. So then. Year one pass, there's also little conflicts and stuff that you can play in the game itself, okay? And I can't get those. I can't get those. I have to play the year one pass, okay? It's it's just a bunch of, like, hoopla or whatever, right? And that's one of the benefits of the year one pass down here. You get the conflicts. You get the new, the, the new little side quest things that they do. Uh, overall, besides this mess that's going on here, the game is very enjoyable, me and Brain have been playing, and I'm absolutely loving it, right? I'm absolutely loving The Division 2, playing with a buddy, okay? If you had a crew of three to four, and you're all together, and you're all playing the game, I think it just feels like a really good game, okay? One of the cool parts that they just updated with this pass, which I don't know if I can play the hardcore mode or not, because I, I didn't get the season pass. It's not explained to me if I can or not. But they put a hardcore mode in with permadeath. And I think this is pretty intriguing, right? You can start a brand new character from the start of the game, okay? Permadeath. Once you die, that's it. You have to start again and see how far you can make it along in the game. And I think this would be a really cool challenge, okay, 
with friends. I wouldn't do this solo. I think playing solo is fun up until it's not. And what I mean by that is I'm having fun, I'm having fun, I'm having fun, and then I get to this one point where I can't kill, I'm getting getting killed over and over, and I'm just like, fuck it, I'm done, right? Because you can't get past that point because you're either not spec right, you're being deltaed, or it's just your skill level, right? So, it, But as soon as you bring that one extra person in, right, it's, it opens up and you're like, oh, this is cool, right? So the expansion, what they're doing with uh, the Division, they're doing some really cool things. They're doing really cool things in this game that I wish they would do in another game that I actually really like and love, which is Destiny. In this game, go ahead, Sarge. <clears throat> what are you going to say? No, no, no. I just wanted to say don't say the name. Oh, yeah. So in this game, what they've done now is that there's perks on weapons that drop. Okay, and let's say I have a, um, I don't know, an AUG, right? And I want head detection or hit detection or more damage done, but I can't get that roll on that gun. But I find another gun, any gun, doesn't matter, right? Any gun. I can take the perk that's on that weapon and I can move it over, okay, to hmm. my gun. Wait a minute. Wait, does Wait that sound does that this sound familiar? Sounds, this sounds very familiar. Right? I I do believe we discussed this like I don't know, maybe like 30, 30 40 <laughs> times yeah. over the last four years. Yeah. Right. Okay. About <laughs> taking a perk off a gun after you break down the gun, lose the gun, but keep the perk, and then be able to put the perk on your on the gun that yes. you like. It's my whole system Man, that I've been that talking about. Familiar. It's my whole system I've been talking about for <laughs> Destiny for the longest time, right? And then another thing they're doing is that you were in in Division One, you were in New York. Okay. In Division Two, you're in Washington D.C. Now, when I talked about Destiny, I said, "Man, wouldn't it be cool if they evolved the game?" Okay. And like they combined the games. Okay. Oh, this game's too big, bro. Right? And Division was like, or Ubisoft was like, hey, I think I heard that guy say something on the Rages Round Table that one time and that other podcast, uh, whatever, the GXG podcast, the unknown guy. He said, what about if we merge the games together and then evolve them, right? And here we are. We're Division 2. You now are in D.C. There's missions. You go back to New York. But you're in the lower Manhattan part, which you haven't been before, which was a dark zone, which is now opened, which is not a dark zone anymore. And it's and it's summer. And it's summer. Right. Yeah. Right. Yeah, imagine that. And a hurricane hit there. So the terrain and stuff is different and it's evolved and changed. So it's like Man, new. Where have we heard about evolving a board that's already current to it's, make it Something new, but something you don't have to redo completely. Right. When and, did we hear this? And combining it, hmm. right? And then combining it together so you can do Destiny or uh, Destiny. So you can do Division 1 and Division 2 together, right? This is very cool. Then what they've done, there's one more one, one more aspect. Oh, it's also a one-to-one -one scale on the lower part of Manhattan now. Before hmm. it wasn't a one-to-one -one scale. Now it's a one-to-one -one scale. That's they did, crazy. They went to a one-to-one -one scale for, for DC, for the part of DC that they did. And now they went back to Manhattan, lower Manhattan. They said they got rid of like little side streets and stuff that wasn't like, you know, didn't need it. But now they really put a one to one scale of the lower part of, of Manhattan. It seems it seems good, right? They have new perks, new skills. Well, what if, well, what, if what if they kept they kept with this, right? What happens if they it's summertime, right? And then like maybe like six months down the road, you put New York back in wintertime and go back to the survival version of it, where you like. You have to run around and survive in a, in the dead of winter, like you know. And you guys can go back and forth. You get the seasons of it, 
you know, and yep. they change it up. Well, we were talking about today. Brain brought up a good point. I was like, I was like, I like the survival. The survival in the game really brought me back to Division One when they did it. Right? I like like the game. I like the story. The story for Division is a cool story. Same with Division Two. The story is cool, but once you're done with the story, and then you go into the end game stuff, and you go into the world tier stuff, it's it's a little weak. It's a little weak. It, it gets a little repetitive and stuff like that. But the survival stuff in, uh, in Division 1 with the snow, I thought was awesome. And me and him were talking about it today. I was like, how would they do that? And it's one of the most requested things they've asked for in Division. And Brain brought up, he goes, well, all I have to do is do like contamination zone. So instead of like you're cold, like you're sick, right? And you would have to go inside and like get a, a shot or something to keep you from getting killed. And you're doing this whole thing and, and, and you constantly go Or, or maybe you're progressively get worse, like you're slower to walk. You right. Can't aim, you can't aim as well. Right. And you have to find the next shot that keeps you alive until you get to the doctor or get to the place where they can give you the cure. Right. Right. So I, I was like, oh, that's a good idea because it's summer, right? And they're like, what do you get? You strip off your clothes. You're getting too hot. Like, you know what I mean? Like, so I thought that was pretty cool. What I think could be cool, and I really want to test this out. So if anybody has Division 2 and you want to play, I would like to get a squad together, two, three, or four people, and do a permadeath session, okay? Because I feel like being permadeath puts this extra, like, edge on it where you're like, if I die, you're not going to be running out and being doing stupid things because you get knocked down. You're done, right? And that's it. Then you have to start over again. So I would like to do a permadeath run with a group starting from, from the start just to see the difference of how fun it is or not fun, right? I think it would be a little fun because you had that little in the back of your head. If I get if I get knocked down and I'm done, I'm done, right? So, well, you, you probably you probably spec out with better armor and heal abilities, right? That's probably how you would spec out, right? And well, I'm doing a, I'm doing a, a build right now for sniper because uh, I want to stay the far as hell far <laughs> as, as, as I possibly can. Yeah. So I do like that. Um, I think the 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 updates that they're doing with the game, I think, are great. But the problem is, it's Division. And because it's Tom Clancy's Division, it's based in, like, a reality, okay? I don't think this game will ever be as popular as a game like Destiny, even though it's doing better things than Destiny. Because Destiny is this fantasy-based thing where when I shoot a cabal in the head, the head just pops and just gives you that satisfaction of oh man that feels so good right you throw the grenades it's got the flames and doing all these like magical things well, well what if what if what if they would just stop trying to scale up the the damage to the to the, the npcs and just make it more gritty and realistic meaning that that if you shoot them a few shots or whatever they're dead like what's this the the, the bullet sponginess of division i think is the part that makes it feel not as I don't know, not as vibrant as Destiny or, or other first-person shooters. Well, they because did. you know it's uh, you can't tell me the, the Cabal aren't running around with armor, right? But yet you can still shoot them with the gun that you have, and you kill them pretty quick, right? You know, well, I understand the yellow bar, the purple bar, level of armor. I get it, but you shouldn't have to empty out sixteen clips of of AUG ammo to kill a guy. Well, at least in Division Two, they they fixed it from Division One, where everyone in Division One was bullet sponge. In Division 2, there's people wearing, like, this heavy gear armor. And as you shoot them, it breaks off the piece of armor, and then you can do damage to them. That makes sense. It's the lower-level red bars you look at, and you're like, eh, and they die pretty quick now. So they've done a better job in Division 2. But it's still based in this reality, right? So, like, I have a sniper rifle that's my, my, my special, right? It's this, like, 50 cal gun that I'm specced out for. 
they're doing a lot of cool things in the division. And it is fun when you're playing with people. But when you're playing by yourself, like we we went through the Pentagon today or yesterday, and then we went through the zoo today, uh, one of the zoo boards. It's, the the level design is awesome, right? The the way the levels look and you go in and go out and go down into the depths of the, of the sewer system and come back up. It's just really cool, and then the way they tell the stories with the with the audio logs and the stuff and the radio chatter that comes over the thing—it's almost like it's almost a little bit like ESO. Yeah, it, a little bit for a little bit for story design, like ESO. You got a lot of voice acting. Yes, and it gives you a little little substance for the story. Yeah, I like that. And then they give you like other little audio logs or like a hologram that you can piece together the story. So it's like they're not showing you the story. But you're like piecing the story together in your head. It's almost like a Hitchcock film, right? It's what he doesn't show you, is and then you're you're piecing it together and you really like get the story, right? So I, I like what they're doing there. Another thing they're doing for the expansion is that it's infinite progression now. Once you hit level forty, once you hit top gear, you can constantly keep leveling up your gear regardless. Okay, and I think the reason they did this, and this is one of the other stories that we have, is that Division Two is not porting over to the next Xbox or the next PlayStation, right? They're staying exactly where they are. They have no plans to port it over. So remember when Skyrim, you had a, a, a cap, right? And then a couple years later, they opened up the cap and you just could level up as infinite as you wanted to, right? Because they weren't really supporting it anymore. And they're like, here, have fun. Just go, just go keep leveling up, right? And they've done that in other games as well. Like Fallout does it and Fallout 76 does it. Like you just, you just keep leveling up. That's why they're doing that in the division, right? Division, they're like, all right, cool. We'll, we'll have other expansions and stuff that come out, but you can just keep leveling up. If you like playing our game, here, here's the reward of, of, of playing our game. Have fun. So I do I do like that. They're incorporating a story part of, of Division 1 into Division 2. So there's a guy named Keener uh, who was a rogue agent, or I'm sorry, he was an agent, but then he got left behind in the dark zone. So now... He made a cure for himself to survive, and now he's rogue agent, and now he's trying to take down the agency. So that's like the main villain in the expansion, and he brought other agents that were left behind to join him. And then they brought back the Rikers, and they brought back the Cleaners, and there's the the lower Manhattan part is separated into four separate spots. And before you can get to the the Keener, you got to take out the four four bosses, right? And then and then kill him uh, standard, at the end. Standard yeah. Zelda approach. Yeah. So uh, again. Division is fun. I'm having a blast playing it. But again, if I was playing by myself, it, it gets boring really fast. And you're just like, eh, it's it's good, but it's not great, right? Where Destiny is not great, but you can still play it because it's fantasy and you're popping aliens and you're doing flying and doing special shit. See, my, 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 when I look at the Division, you know, I see a... A different type of game. I, I, this game, the, the game doesn't really exist. Like the 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 ability to play the game the way I'm thinking about it is possible in today's world. It, they just don't do it because they want to do one way or the other. Either it's a single player game, or it's an MMO, right? I like the idea of where it's a single player game that you can invite your friends to come into your game, right? right? It's right, it, whatever whatever version you happen to be playing, right? So let's say this week. Brain and whoever else has got division goes into your game. We're playing inside my game. So in my game, we're trying to set up like uh, a forward operating base in Lower Manhattan to open up to do some more missions. But in order to open up the for in order to open up the forward operating base, 
we have to scavenge this much material, right? You're you're, so, you're explaining De- Division Two. You do right. this in Division Two. Yeah, but but it but it's it's still open where you can invite your friends over and you can build these things. But because of where you build it, it opens up a story for that section. Well, right. So if you if you open up over here, it's a different storyline. If you open up over here, it's a different storyline. So it's like you you you're kind of influencing the direction of the story. You're you're you know. I know you don't know because you don't play it, but basically what you describe is what Division Two is. is so have they have they yes, done it like that? So basically, there is so much stuff to do. Like if you go into a public space of of Destiny, you're doing public events. You're doing the little bounty things, and that's about it, right? But you have to go collect the bounties to go do it, and then there's those markers around the, the board. In Division 2, as you're going, uh, there's a mission over here across the map. You, you could fast travel once you're there. Once you've found that place, you can fast travel. But before you find it, you're walking through, and then all of a sudden there's like a random group walking around, and you kill those guys. And then when you kill those guys, they might drop a bounty. And then that bounty gets picked up, and then it, it sends you off to somewhere else. And while you're doing that, some other things are happening. And then there's, like, execution spots, and then there's uh, new missions, and there's uh, invasion zones, and then there's... there's what, uh, does, what does the map does the map change based on things that you can actually do? Like, if I build a base or not build a base, like, does it... Is it... it am I influencing the game? Like, if I open up a base... In this section of the map, it becomes safer. Yes, right. You know, like that yes. kind of thing. Does it so do that? yeah, there's control points, and they're in in, the, in different territories. So once you take the control point over, uh, as you're playing through the main campaign, it becomes safe. But the problem is, at reset, the following week, everything gets put back, and then you have to go back and save and re- it again and, re- and redo it. So it's not a conti- it's not a, a, in- a continuous right. Instead of it's saying how, it's how much how much you can do for that week. And then it right. gets reset. Instead of saying, right. instead of All saying right. like, "Hey, control point in the lower east side is being under attack," you can choose to go stop it. it. You just lose it anyway. So you clear the board, and then as you finish the game, another another uh, the black tusk come in, and they're a different enemy, and they come in and they they start doing the same thing, right? Divi- right well, like I said, it's, it's an attempt. D- division division is doing a lot of good stuff because there's so much stuff to do okay there's so much stuff to do on the map that you're almost overwhelmed because you're just like like you could literally show up in the game and go i don't know what to do i'm just gonna run down the street all right and go to the end of the street and by that time you'll you'll come across like 15 different activities that you had to do there's bounties to get there's control points to give more materials to so they can upgrade stuff. Like, there's a whole bunch of stuff going on. They've done a really good job with it. But the problem with Division is that it's based in reality and it kind of gets boring. It just kind of, you're just like, okay, right? And when you're playing by yourself, there's, of course, there's people out there that enjoy it, right? But when you're playing with buddies and stuff like that, I think it's just much more enjoyable. It's just a much more enjoyable game. And because it, you guys are talking while you're playing, that's that's half of it. You right. guys are just sitting around talking while you while you're playing a game that you all like to play. And it's and, and it's the, jump in, jump out, right? Like if you're in your world, you're in your world. But if you want to join me, you can complete stuff in your world in my world. Okay, like you're completing stuff. So the control point is yours when you go there, and and so on and so forth. So it's 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 cool. So you can work together. You can go. You can go through the whole campaign with somebody, right? You can just hop in for certain campaigns. The missions themselves are long. The invasion missions that I've, I did today, they're like 45 minutes. Strongholds are like an hour. 
Um, the actual story campaign that I was I went through the last couple of days was like two hours, two and a half hours each, right? And that's on normal difficulty. If you play it on a harder difficulty, okay. Oh, and that's one last thing. In the update, they're gonna lift up the hard difficulty where you can make anything difficult in division, right? To legendary edition or to whatever. And when you do that, the gear you're going for will have a better chance of dropping if you put the difficulty up higher. Imagine that. We've been ta- I've been talking about that. You've been talking about that for Destiny for fucking ever. And Division's like, hey, we'll take that. Thanks. Thanks, GXG. Right? We saw your, we saw your ex-podcast talking about that other game. Right? And they've implemented it in their game. Where now you have infinite progression, you can take perks off of certain weapons and put them on your guns, and the difficulty level you can raise up, and you can get all the stuff that you want based on your time in the actual game. So yeah, so we can use the seasonal mods on any piece of armor uh, next season. Yeah, yeah. So so when the when the expansion comes out for Warlords of New York, okay, they're they're do- redoing the whole system of the of the gun system. Okay, you don't you don't need <clears throat> um no in D2? D2 you mean Destiny 2 or Division 2? We can use seasonal mods on any piece of armor next season. In Destiny 2, you can take a mod. So if I have a perk on a weapon, I can take that perk off and put it onto another weapon. Or you're talking about mods. Mods and perks are two different things. Right? The armor. So next season, they're actually implementing what I've actually said. Alright, let me let me let me look look, I love this. This is fantastic. Let's see what this is. <clears throat> yeah, but it's one thing to be able to to move the mod over, but it's another thing completely to the reasons why you would need to. Okay. We've also received a lot of suggestions on how to improve seasonal mods. Yeah, but seasonal mods. That's seasonal mods. That's a half-ass attempt to do what I'm actually saying, which Division is doing right on, spot on, what you should be able to do. Starting next season, the seasonal armor mod sockets, e.g. Undying Mines uh, Dawn mods, will also be able to use mod release during the seasons before and after the armor pieces were released. For example, armor with the mod socket from Season of Dawn can now equip Dawn mods, Undying mods from Season of Undying, and Redacted mods from Season of Redacted because they don't want to tell you. Right, right. <clears throat> that that right there though, Dupless is like I said as a small attempt. That's not that's not the same thing. They're giving you a set perk of mods to put on the on the armor mod. Great. Bravo, Destiny. You've done the bare minimum of what you're supposed to do. Where division literally any piece of gear that has a perk that you like on it, you can literally dismantle that piece, take that perk off that weapon, and place it on the weapon that you would like to use for your playstyle of game, intentionality, and and of, of giving you what you want to do and how you want to play, right? They even say in the video, play the way you want to play. Build the things you want to build. That is not building what I want to build. That's letting us build what we should be able to build, but they're still not giving us the perks that we want to want to bring over. So thank you for bringing that to my attention, though. I did not know that they can do that now uh, in Destiny. So they're, they're an eighth way there. Destiny is... Uh, uh, Division's actually there. 
Destiny's an eighth of a way there, and it only took them five years to get there. Fantastic. <clears throat> All right. Is, so there, that- is, is, there, is there a purposeful, uh, you know, intentionality now with the armor sets with the numbers in Destiny still? Like... Are people still trying to farm for the higher numbered gear? No, it doesn't like armor, it, or does it matter? No, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter what right. gun you use. The difficulty level doesn't matter. You can just get any gun you want, destroy all the stuff that's in the game. It doesn't matter. You don't even need high rank stuff. You can kill everything in that's, the game. That's what I mean. Right. That's you can I mean. kill everything in the game with any weapon in the game. You don't need anything to get better. If you get the no, best. No, what I'm saying for the armor numbers, like the that's the whole. Yeah, it doesn't matter. The armor perks don't really matter, like the the number of the armor, the level of the armor. No, no. nobody cares. No one's no one's going. Huh? I can't beat this nightfall. Let me put this armor piece on because it's got sixty eight. Uh, right. No, that's what I mean. They're just like, yeah, this is the this is the armor set I'm running. We're just gonna we're just gonna do it. Right. Yeah. Nobody. Nobody. No. The minute population is still in delusional world where they I mean, think they have to, to do it. Yeah. They they ha- they feel like they have to do that to do that, and that's cool. But you you really actually don't need to do that at all. Um, <clears throat> all right, so that's Division 2. Uh, from that, I actually want to go into... I don't know if we should talk about... I guess we could do talk about... Let's go from one shooter to the next, right? So let's talk about Anthem, right? Let's talk about Anthem. I, I, we, we, we usually wouldn't, but they brought it up, right? EA, Bioware, okay. Yeah, they brought it up, all right. So <clears throat> Anthem, okay... From the start, was just doomed, right? We saw the trailer back at E3 years ago, and we went, eh, we'll have to see when it comes out. I wanted this game to succeed. It came out. I played it. From a streamer point of view, I'm disappointed the game failed because I was getting my best growth, right, with this game, okay? And then the game just flatlined, and that was it, okay? The game itself... The best part about the game is the flying mechanics, the way you can land, take off, shoot, move, and stuff. That is the core of the game. Everything else in the game, they could literally just scrap and throw away, which they are. Okay? So, Anthem's update. Uh, where is the... Do I have the crippling technical issues? It makes me. It makes me wonder, though that they think they're going to fix it in a year and turn it into something else. But the seven years they spent building it, they had no idea what they were doing. Well, right. They come out with this, with this, I can't even find the post. I can someone, uh, Duplis, can you find me the post, uh, from the, from the developer? Oh, actually, you know what? I found it. I got it. I got it. Okay. So this is, this is from Casey Hudson, Casey Hudson. Okay. Who I think is in charge now. Because nobody knows. Nobody, nobody's admitting it. Nobody, nobody knows. Nobody wants to say I'm in charge. Okay. Right. One year ago, we were preparing to launch Anthem, a game that represented the big leap into the territory of us, a uh, uh, new territory as a studio. We we're exhilarating and terrifying experience to go onto the world, something new and different, and we're grateful to all the players who have come along with us on the journey. It's been a thrill for us to see the creativity of the players and design customization of the Javelins, watching them master the Anthem's flying and fighting gameplay. I'm so proud of the work that we have as a team and put into the game. And at the same time, there's so much more that you uh, that we and you would have to w- waited for. Okay, 
Over the last year, the team has worked hard to improve stability, performance, and general uh, quality of life, delivering three seasons of new content and features. We have also uh, heard your feedback on Anthem means more satisfying loot experience, better long-term progression, and more fulfilling end game. So we recognize that we are still more fundamental work to be done and bring out the full potential of the experience, and will require more substantial um renovations and update expansions over the coming months we'll be focusing on longer term redesign and experiences specifically working on uh revenant core of the gameplay loop with the clear goals motivating challenges and progression with meaningful rewards while preserving the fun and flying of the, uh, and the fighting in the vast science fantasy uh, setting and to do that properly we'll be doing something we've uh, we'd like to have done more the first time around giving focus the team the time it tests to iterate and focusing on gameplay first. In the meantime, we'll be continuing to run a current version of Anthem, but move away from the full seasons as the team works towards the future of Anthem. And we'll keep the game going uh, with events, store refreshes, and revisiting past seasonal and cataclysm content, starting with our anniversary towards the end of the month. Creating new worlds is essential to the, stu uh, to the studio's mission, but it's not easy. Sometimes, I fucking, I, I hate when they say it's not easy. Sometimes it gets in the right, sometimes it, it, sometimes you miss. We keep on things going to support from players like you. Your feedback gives us guidance on how we can improve, and your passion inspire us to, uh, to courage to create. All right, let me give you some feedback. And you could take, take my feedback to give you guidance here, Bioware. First of all, when you come out with a game and you hype it up for three years, okay, and then day one launch, you give us what you gave us, okay, you do not get to say that video games is hard, okay, and that it takes time to do stuff because all that garbage lingo that you just said in that little post because you're being upfront, okay, with us doesn't doesn't give us concern, like doesn't make it go oh, at least not to me. If you're one of those people out there that are like oh, I I believe in Anthem, I believe they could they could do that. I have to say to Anthem and Bioware, fuck you. Okay, you tried to make money off a game that was broke, non-finished, okay, and you tried to pull one over on the fans, okay, and now because you are coming back a year later, okay, trying to do what, well, it worked for No Man's Sky, oh, it worked for Battlefront 2, you think you can just jump on that bandwagon and be like, well, if we make a game now, they'll forgive us because we worked hard. You should have worked hard the first six years of making the game before releasing it to go hey uh here's the game no you waited a full year after launch and say oh we're fixing it we heard what you said i mean what is this trial by trial by error for video games what did we just start video games now in 2019 like this is the first video game ever video games are hard i don't know i thought you got into the into the into the game market because you're like hey we could do something better than other people have given in the past. Instead, you took everything that Bioware stood for, okay, with great storytelling and, and game mechanics and just flush it down the toilet and then tell us, well, sometimes you miss and sometimes you don't. And it was just a bit... No, you literally sent out a game that was fucking broke and piece of garbage, okay? The best part about it was the flying. Fantastic, Okay. That's like putting a whole meal together, steak, potatoes, corn, whatever else, and go, you know what? Uh, the drink was really good, right? And be like, well, what about the rest of the meal? Well, you'll get it right next time. Don't worry about it. It's like, what are we talking about here? Like, 
This is a hard industry to be in. I get it. Just like any industry that you're in, very competitive, very hard. You want the top of the top people working on your stuff to make a good product to send out to the customers that the reason that you're a business is the reason the customers paid for your other other games, which made you more successful, which gave you more employees, which gave you more uh, clout in the industry, to then what? Turn around and shit on that population that you're like, well, we have dedicated fans. They'll buy whatever we put. There you go. Live service. And what really bothers me is they're like, well, everything's going to stay. We're, we're, we're not updating everything, but we're also going to we're keep, keep refreshing the store. Don't worry, guys. We made a broken game, but the store refresh is going to keep on happening so you can still purchase and keep us afloat. Right, because there are the small percentage of people that just keep handing Bioware money. That's what it is. <clears throat> yeah, but the difference, the difference Duplass, you're, you're, you're correct with the division, right? You're correct with the division by saying they're doing the same thing. But when the division came out, it was a full-fledged game. There was a full story. There was full gear. There was there was loot. You were not not getting loot, right? There was plenty of loot to get. There was no loot to get in Anthem. There was story. There was loot. There was gameplay. And then they fixed it as they went. One, it's a games of service, and I get that. But at least Ubisoft released a full-fledged game at launch and then added stuff and did tweaks of quality of life. Anthem's literally a broken game. Broken. Okay, Fallout 76 is a broken game. Broken. And yet people are paying $13 a month to play single player now in that game. Okay, people are still giving Anthem and Bioware money for microtransactions in a game that's broke. And then someone's going to come in and be defensive about it and go, well, I like it. Well, that's great that you like it. Bravo, right? I like NyQuil cherry flavor. A lot of people don't, but I'll chug the shit out of it, right? That's just the way it is. Some people like it, some people don't. But the fact is that the fucking game is not a full-fledged game. And they tried to pull one over on us, and now they're asking for forgiveness. And, like, we're going to come back and go, oh, it's okay. Of course I'm going to play it when it comes out because I already paid $60, and I would like to see a completion of what the game was supposed to be. When it launched, you had three years, five years, six years to make a game. If you need more time than that, how is a game like Scalebound, was almost completely finished, get canned, okay, and get scrapped completely that no one will ever see the game, and yet this game gets launched and fucking released, and everyone's like, ah, oh, give him a shot, give him a chance. Like, what? What are you talking about? You don't make a fucking movie without an ending? You don't make a movie with garbage. Otherwise, you get other movies that have been out and, and they get they, they get paid. They get showed that they're garbage. Okay, and it's just so sad that people have to pay their money up front first to find that stuff out. Okay, they don't give they don't give early copies of Anthem, right? They don't they don't let you have early access to uh, to stuff. They did beta stuff, but you don't get enough far into the game to find out that the game is broke at the end. So, Sarge, I know you didn't even play Anthem. Okay. But no, what I, I played, I played when it, the, the oh, demo. Oh, you played the no. demo, yeah. Yeah, yeah, the demo. So what, what do you think about this apology and this open transparency that they're giving us as, as, a, as a developer? Well, most people don't like what I have to say because I don't, I don't pull any punches. And they think I speak from the negative side of it and I speak from the reality side of it, which is that like, a company is not going to reinvest in a game to quote-unquote save it 
and bring it back to the fans unless there is a hidden agenda behind it that's going to make them money in the long run. Okay? And so somebody in the offices of EA or somebody in the offices of BioWare, they sat around, they talked, and they said, listen, we have a viable product from our, our, from our original numbers that people, what they, what they bought and they didn't return it, says that there's, there's this many people that'll play the game if we fix it. Right. Right? And they know that if they come out with a game and there's a store and they salvage it to some point and they release it with MTX in the background, that they're going to make their money that they would have made regardless if they had sold the number of copies they wanted to sell or not. Right. They, they know this. Right? And the proof is fourth quarter sales of EA uh, microtransactions in the fourth quarter. Okay? Fourth quarter microtransaction sales were a billion dollars. That's three months, kids. Three months. Okay, a billion dollars in three months. Right, October, December. <laughs> they made a billion. One, okay, one point five billion dollars in three yeah. months. Yeah, and that means that they didn't make anything. They didn't release anything. They didn't make a new IP. They didn't release a DLC. That's just from you guys buying shit. Okay, you gave them a billion dollars for doing nothing. So they need something else in the pipe that will let more people throw money at it because. They need the money, right? They got to keep the lights on. Lights on, baby. Now, got to keep it on. Now, if if this is if this is something that's viable, why wouldn't they fix Andromeda? Why wouldn't you fix Andromeda right. and and make the game the way it was supposed to be and go back and fix that? That didn't Andromeda have a store? Oh, right, because they couldn't they couldn't figure a way to make the multiplayer viable enough to where people would want to buy things in it because it's actually a single player game. So they right. flushed an IP down the toilet. In order to prove that to themselves. God, God forbid they made another planet to go on. Right. So right? they know they can't do that. But the but the suits sit in the room. They think, well, the structure of Anthem is that we can keep them busy doing busy work and just give them gear and then have a store in the background so they can buy cooler things that they can't get in the game. Right. And we'll and we'll get people to throw us like 30, 40 bucks a month, whoever has the game. Right. Because they're going to keep buying stuff online. This is... This is the point that I have with all games of service is the ability for a company to milk money out of its consumer base for doing the bare minimum effort. That's right. the issue that praise I praise me, praise us right. for doing the bare bare minimum. Bare minimum. Yes. Okay. That this is the only thing I know that if if I work in a job and two people show up and one is an outgoing person that I give a year to do a project and he does the project and goes above and beyond to give me something. And then there's the other person that just does what I asked the bare minimum. Okay. When I both look at those projects, I'm going to give the guy or girl or person or whatever. Don't want to offend anybody. Right? right. That the, the, the job over the person that does the bare minimum. I'm not going to go, Hey Timmy, thanks for doing the bare minimum, buddy. Holy Christ, Carlos. How did you figure out how did you do all of that in the amount of time I gave it I gave you to do? Right? And Carl's like, oh, it was easy. I'm, I'm really passionate about what I do. And I wanted to make sure that the uh, the person that was going to use this app, game, read the book, the movie, the comic book I wrote, okay, that they would really enjoy it because I'm as passionate about making this to give it to somebody that's a customer that I want them to come back for the next thing, right? Yes. Meanwhile, yes. Timmy goes, Well, I just you only asked for that. So it's got f two legs and two arms and a head. It's it, a guy. It's standing. 
it's right? a guy. It's a guy. Call, if I give him a different hat, we can call him a wizard. Right, right. Oh, we can we can do cosmetics and stuff. Carlos has made a full-fledged game. Tim, Tim didn't make anything, right? He made the bare minimum, okay? And I go, sorry, Tim. No, but what the companies are doing now, they go, Carlos, you're fired because you went above and beyond, and we can't charge any more money for the thing that you just created. Right. Tim, you're hired because you did the bare minimum and everything we can add on top of that later and we can charge. And Tim's like, oh, okay, okay. Right? It doesn't know that anything else. Right? He's like, I don't, I think a better way to look at it, and this is, this is why my stance will always be against microtransactions, is the fact that video games, the core of a video game is art. Yeah, it's art. It's, it's art. Okay, that's what it is. Okay, so now. For those people that understand art, just bare, bare minimum art knowledge, like people make a painting, people make statues, people make sculptures, people make different things, and they don't have everybody buy their painting. They don't have everyone buy their things. But people who admire it look at it and they discuss it because there might be a story behind it. Yep. The guy who's the artist says, well, the reason why I made this painting was because this is what happened to me when I was 12 or this is what happened when my parents died. Or, and there's a story behind it, right? And so they give credence to the art of why they made it, and they're passionate about it. And people who recognize passion in somebody else's thoughts or their yep. art want to pay money to have it because it's meaningful to them. Right. Now, originally, video games were the same. So a group of guys got together, say, we're going to make a ninja game. Or a group of guys got together and say, we're going to make an adventure game. Or we're going to make a, a, a flying saucer game. Whatever Whatever the title is going to be, and it, they just this is what we're going to do. This is the story behind it. This is the reason why we made this. And a group of people were like, "Yeah, that's kind of cool. Let me get that." Right? Not everybody, but the people who like right. that genre, that type of game. Well, those days are over because of the business-minded way of exponential growth, and we have to keep growing every year, which money. means we have to have more people buy the game. And if we can't have more people buy the game, then we have to have things in place in the game that will make us more money over right. time. Over time. And that's the whole that's the game now. So that's not what it's about. Nobody's charging extra money for a piece of art because you want to put the arms on it or the guy's gonna make uh some more colors on it after six months. Right? You're buying the piece of art. That's the can, art. Can and you, it's over. Can you imagine you're an artist? Right? You, that's 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 what we're doing. And so that's why I get offended. That's why I get passionate. That's why I get angry. And this is why I want people to understand and get more educated about what their hobby is doing to them. Like it, it's not the same. See that guys? Right? We the, are we are trying we are trying to sell art. And yes, it's expensive. And yes. But let's let's look at it from a different perspective, Mike. Like E3 is about to come up, right? Yeah, yeah, we're about to go there. That's that's fine. So, what is it about a video game that makes you hyped about it, or what was it about the industry that made you hype? Like, you're always curious to know what kind of graphics you're coming out with, like, like what new IPs coming out, like what kind of what kind of mechanics is the yeah. game going to have, what kind of graphics cards are they releasing this year? Like, there was a bunch of things that all added up to what the next games are going to be. Right, that's how it works. Right. That's we're, what E three was about. We're always, right? yeah, we're always we, thinking we've like taken, that. We've taken what we've known for the last few years. We've switched things around. We have the hardware now. We got some new engines, and now we're coming out with a brand new IP. Let's show it to you. And that's what it was about. Now it's about let's re-release the same game over and over again, 
charge you more for it, charge your microtransactions in the back end. There's no innovation. There's nothing, no, nothing, nothing expansive, nothing, nothing, no, no progress in the hardware or the software. It's all about getting a monthly fee from somebody, releasing out some extra stuff, and that's where we are. Like nobody realizes the staleness of what's happening. I understand there have been great games being released. There have been. There have been great oh, indie, yeah. God, indie games God of that War. have been released. I am not gonna. I'm not gonna say there hasn't been. What I'm telling you is, the skeleton of the industry has changed. We are not trying to sell art anymore. We are trying to make as much money from a single IP as possible. They don't want to make any. They don't want to risk a new IP because they're afraid they can't make the money on the new IP. Whereas beforehand. You would put your heart and soul into something right. and see if people really wanted it right. based on your passion for your product. We don't have passion anymore, guys. Activision Blizzard is not about passion. I don't give a shit what anybody says. And anybody who listens to the podcast, please Twitter me and we'll discuss it over the last five years what has come out. So so can you imagine being an artist? A guy comes up to your studio, just blank canvases on the wall, and you're like, well, I haven't done the art yet, but... If you buy one of my paintings for $1,200, I will come by your house once a month and add something to it every single month for the entire year if you buy the season pass, right? And be like, wait a minute. So you're telling me I'm going to buy a blank canvas, right? And I'm gonna, you're going to come by my house and, and paint it? Yeah. And I, you don't know what you're getting? That's, that's exactly right. 1200 bucks yeah. Sounds good, right? Yeah. <laughs> that would be I, insane. I just... I the 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 reason why gaming companies are getting away with what they get away with now I don't have the numbers to back it up I'm basing it off of the way people respond in in all the reddits and the twitters and whatnot is once again gamers are playing longer right the gamers who are older and still play they have kids they got jobs and so they're not trying to fight the they're not trying to fight the the storm. They're just going to be in the boat, in the water and wherever it goes it goes because I just want to have some fun. My life is busy. I still like gaming. Give me something I can play. I don't care. Okay? The younger kids who don't know what gaming was, okay? All they see is what it is currently are being groomed that they think that this is the way gaming is forever. Like this is the way it's supposed to be. <clears throat> Substandard products, monthly service fees, no innovation, right? Same game over and over again, and they're afraid to take risks because they want the easy money, right? And like, and this is the direction that we're going. And so, the the streamers and the guys on YouTube who who shove the news into your face, whether you like them or not, there are there are at least six or seven different teams of guys who are constantly putting pressure on the industry and letting gamers know that this is not how it is. Right. This is not what's supposed to happen. I would say we're one of those people. Right? We're just not known. Right. right? We're out there. It, it's fine. But we need those people. We have got to raise the consciousness of gamers as a whole to where this is not how it is. Right. The point of not buying a game and not pre-ordering is to not give them the ability to have their metrics and saying, well, if this many people right. buy it, this many people are going to buy microtransactions. This many people are going to get the DLC. Until you know the product, until you know the game, unless your friends bought it and played it, stop pre-ordering, stop giving them money, stop buying microtransactions, and they'll change the game. If they know they can't get the easy money, they'll have to change it again. That's how it works.
but there's too many of us now who are in jobs that we don't like, marriages that we don't like, kids that we don't get to play with, and you want to relive your fondest memories by playing a video game, and you don't care what it costs. You don't care how crappy the game is. You just want to have some fun with it, and I understand that. But you have to understand that the choices that you're making are affecting the long-term viability of how video games are made. Right, right. So going from Anthem, the next story I want to talk about is a new game that got showed off today. It's called Outriders. Okay, I'm going to show some footage of Outriders. Um, and I want you just to tell me what you think, just visually. I'm not going to tell you anything about the game. I'm just going to show you footage of the game. It's going to play some some storyline or whatever. Um, I'm not even going to put sound effects on. We're just going to look at it and, and kind of talk over it, right? So <clears throat> this is off a, a, a PC build. This is not console. Uh, it, it will be out for all the systems. This is next gen. So this will be Series X, PlayStation 5, and PC. Okay? So watching this for the very first time, I get a feeling of like a Gears of War-ish, right? Because it's, it's a cover-based shooter. I also get a little bit of a defiance feel of it with like a mass effect feel as far as what they're doing right it's definitely got gears in it right it's definitely yeah. got a gears uh it, it kind of reminds me of terminator like the the battles against robots and the future terminator scenes in the old terminator movies mm. i mean it, it post, seems post-apocalyptic well it's not post-apocalyptic it's Sort of. That's the feel I get. Right, yeah. So so basically what it is, is they're on a different planet because basically humanity's fucked up Earth, basically, right? So Just they, like now. They sent out the best of the best, like like kind of like Vanguard type people out to the next planet. And then while they got there, uh, an anomaly happened and they went into stasis for like 30 years. Okay. Okay. So this, I, this is all a story from them. This is a story from them, right? Okay. So after the 30 years your characters wake up and something happened, which they don't tell you because it's part of the story. Um, <clears throat> something happened on this planet where your DNA got altered, right? And okay. basically now you have these abilities. You have these special abilities that happen. So I'm assuming so kinda, that... So kind of like uh, biometrics like from from uh, Mass Effect? Yeah. Like the, bio like the biotics powers? Like that kind of thing? Yeah, yeah. Like telekinesis or something like that? So the anomaly or whatever it is gives them their power, and that's the source of their power. Now, again, don't know if it's like you got to kill them to save the planet, but then you'll lose your power. I don't know any, anything like that. But I get I get a feeling of like the division with this. I get a Gears of War feel. I get a Mass Effect feel. I get all of these feels from all of it. Right now, this is not a, a, a games of service. This is a full fledged standalone game. They said there will not be loot boxes. Okay. I don't think they said there's going to be no microtransactions. The graphics and stuff look good. Okay, I like I like the little transition scenes they have when he opens a door. That's kind of interesting. It seems it seems cool, but is this something that you would get, right? Or because of what things are happening in the industry, as far as Division, Destiny, Anthem. Uh, and I know those are live service games and this isn't, right? But I'll even go with uh, Mass Effect Andromeda, right? All of these games that have come out that are not finished, do you know what I'm saying? And they constantly are, are updating it and changing it. Yes, this game is a full-fledged game at launch. 
But because of the games like that, do you feel that this is this game? Do you think this makes people go, eh, it looks okay. I don't know if I want to spend my 60 bucks on it. All right. Well, I'll use, I'll use the defense that you used in, in past episodes. Um, first of all, I applaud them for trying anything different. Like, I understand that the, the mechanics are gears related and we've done cover shooters before. I get that. But what, what sells a game more often than not, and I know it's hard to believe for some, is that if there's a rich background of what they're trying to do, right, of the, what the, the lore story is, the, story, the yeah. lore of the game, like, how do you think Gears got started? Right, or right? Halo, or Gears, Halo, right? Right, Gears got started because they explained how humanity was getting ready to fall out, you know, the locusts were going to take over, and it's up for you, to, it's up for us to come and make us come back from the dead. Like, you know, like you're, you got to fight humanity back into... into to, to being, to, to be, to existing, right? And so this is somebody else trying to do that with just a different story. Now, I, in my, my, the way I look at it is if, if I think the story of this game is actually decent and the writing is good and they give us a, a, a reason to want to love the characters that are in this game, and then on top of that, the mechanics and the gameplay are good, I think this, this could be like another carry the torch like maybe it's time for gears to step down and somebody else to take the place right you know how many gears games can you make you can't keep making gears forever right uh, the 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 uh people that make this is people can fly that's the uh the developer that makes this game um i think it looks interesting i would like to know more about it but again because of all of these games that come out that are not finished or i mean even Borderlands, right? Borderlands Three is not a not a uh, live service game. I mean, it has DLCs and stuff, but it's not a live service game. It's a full fledged game. But Borderlands Three, there's just feels like there's something off about it, right? And this game, I mean, even Dupla says it. He doesn't know what it is. Yeah, it is the Bulletstorm devs. It is the Bulletstorm devs, Duplas. Um, he doesn't. He doesn't understand. It just looks off. Something about it just doesn't feel right about it but i don't think it has to do anything to do with the game itself i think it has to do with us being cautious of like is this game going to be is this going to be a real game is this going to be the next gears is this going to be the next halo i think that's what it was right borderlands was just uh, just disappointing that's what i'm saying though right so this looks pretty interesting is there is there level ups are you mid maxing here i know it's not a live service game but it's like is there a point to the to the guns, right? Is there a reason? I mean, look how many guns you have. This almost looks like Anthem here, the way the guns are, the way the the, the loadout is. Well, okay, so here here's how you try to make games more viable. You don't just oh, do a let level me pause it there for like, a second. That looks like a like, skill tree. Yeah, like you don't do a, like a level design just to do a level design, right? So here's here's how I look at it, right? I look at it as, you know, if the level design says like, the first couple levels have to do with you just getting used to the gear. Try out the guns. Try this out. And then you get into another level where it's all close quarters. And the gun you've been having fun with for the last three levels is a ranged weapon. And now you have to learn to use a shoddy or something close. Right? Right. Like, And that's the way you kind of get people to try out the weapons that they might not normally try. Right? And then as the game progresses further into the game, then you have more options of what guns you want to try. Like, that's, that's the whole purpose of putting different weapon classes in there because you know people are going to play differently. Right. So uh, if the guns are meaningful, they don't have to be OP as hell. But let's remember, Halo's weapons were pretty much the weapons for different categories. 
right? There wasn't 16 of each type. There was one of each type. Right. And and the game was a success. The PvP was a success because the gun was the gun, right? Games like Destiny and Division, where you have 75,000 guns, all the same, different stats here and there, but it's still a hand cannon. It's still a shotgun. Like, how many different variations can you have? So it's dangerous to try to put too many guns in the game, but at the same time, if there was, once again, perks or mods that you can make the gun be the gun you want, right, and it's a progressive game, it's a progressive skill tree, then it makes sense. I think I think they might have something good here. I ha- I see I see a destiny vibe here, right? So you, this guy's called the trickster, which would be like the hunter, the warlock, or the titan. And then there's the master of space class, harbinger, or assassin, right? He's got three three classes here. Uh, up on top it says journal, quests, inventory, skills, class, and accolades. So I, I'm definitely getting a a uh, a destiny vibe with these with this uh, with this game. It's interesting to see. You, the, you only need you only need a small pool of people to like your game to be successful, Mike. I know. I say that like, all the you, time. You don't need you don't need twenty million people to buy the game, right? Yeah, you're, if you sit around about fifty fifty thousand hundred thousand people playing your game, I mean that's a successful game. I mean, just, I mean three million copies. I think three million copies or four million copies is is a successful game, honestly. Right, but I'm talking about uh, player base afterwards, like 100,000, 300,000 people like constantly like just love your game. Yeah, if you sell 3 million copies, 5 million copies, that's successful, man. I mean, look at Spider-Man and look at God of War. That's what, that's what they did. I mean, it seems like cool abilities. It's definitely got Mass Effect qualities over here. I don't know if I like the... You know what, you know what it is? I know it's the planet and it's the whatever planet they're on, but the fogginess of it, is kind of like, well, they're off-putting a little bit, I guess. Because they're trying because. to keep the frame rates and stuff down. That's right. Yeah. No skybox. Yeah. Uh, but but it's okay to do that. That's called oh, yeah. movie magic. That's called movie magic. That guy looks like Spawn. You don't need you don't need to have everything all the time. The draw distance forever. We understand how frame rate frame rate works. I feel like this game though, it doesn't have an original thought to it maybe besides the story like everything they have in this game seems like it's taken from another game which i guess is good which i guess is good right because you take what works right you're evolving you're taking bits and pieces from different games and putting them in so i'm not gonna i'm not gonna give my i'm not gonna give them shit for it i just feel like that's why i think it doesn't stick out right it's a lot of it's a lot of gears though i see a lot of gears in this the guys are just not as bulky Right. No, they're not as bulky, but the, the, the movement, the yeah, movement no, no, of no. the character. Oh, look at that. Is that a glitch? And that little, that little ball he, he is he conjuring up, if it's a, like it a slow, stasis it's, ball. Yeah, it slows him down. Like a stasis. Here, I'm going to fast forward a little bit and see what else is... Uh, yeah, the board seems like it's the same. Twisted bullets. Fill your weapons mag with anomaly-infused bullets that deal significant more damage to enemies. The skill lasts until you reload or switch your weapon. Okay. I don't know. I, I feel like it looks good, but I, again, I get a Defiance vibe from it. I get a Destiny vibe from it. I'm getting like 15 games, like different pieces. Like the UIs from here, it's got the gears, like cover well, based system. That's, that's, it's, like Destiny, that's like Destiny 1's UI. Yeah. Yeah. But it's also like Anthem. It looks like Anthem's UI. Yeah. So I don't know. I, I'll keep my, my, my thoughts and stuff, I'll, I'll hold them back for a bit. I just feel like the game looks okay. I am. Um, I don't know much about it. Again, do I need another 
do I need another looter shooter in my wheelhouse? You know what I mean? Because by this, when this comes out, this could be for the next gen. Okay. But if the next Destiny comes, well, here's a, actually, here's a big thing. If the next Destiny doesn't do anything to evolve, right, then this game might succeed. But if this, if, if Destiny evolves and it's up against this one, why would people play this when they can play that? When it's, it's a constant service game where it's always getting upgraded, right? Yeah, that's definitely a stasis ball. It slows everybody else down. Yeah. It's not, it's not like you have bullet time, but they're slow and you're not. Right. The teleportation seems pretty cool, too. Then you get the slam. I, I That's think, a Titan I slam. Think next, I think the next big hit is a cross between the Avenger game that's coming out, okay, and an Anthem-like thing where you have a guy inside armor. Because, and hear me out on this one, I think the next great game that we're going to have is not based solely on the weapons that you find, it's going to be based on powers that you get that once you pick the powers, that's the powers you have, you mix together, and that's your guy. Like, mm. you don't get all the powers. I got right? you. Like, there's a power tree or a skill tree, and you, you're you picking different skills and different abilities, and then that's what you have. So, you so basically, like, basically Marvel so Ultimate Alliance. The longer you play, the more powers you'll discover... But you can't have them all. You can only pick like four or five. And then when you respec, you can only pick four or five again. And then people will mix different abilities together and that that's their character. I think that will be the next game. I think I think these guys are looking at all the games that are out. And they're like, what do they like about Destiny? They like this. What do they like about Gears? They like this. What do they like about the loot system? They like this. And they're, they're picking all of these things. They're like, all right, let's... Let's build this game and see if we can if we can get it. But now, but now, do we have good enough writers to sell it? Right. That's 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 what it's going to be. You honestly. get me. You you'll get me with a good story. If I if I play a game and the game's like okay, like mechanic wise, if you have a good story, I'm okay with it. Right. As long as it takes me out of the world that I live in every day and brings me into their universe, and I'm like, man, I really like that story. Right. Halo did it to me. Gears did it to me. Right. Like that type of stuff. That's what I like. So we'll see where this goes in the future. Uh, I'm looking forward uh, to seeing more about it. I, I want to see. I want to see who is going to have, especially all the AAA companies now that are, are raking in billions of dollars a year on microtransactions. I want to see who has the balls to come out with a new IP. I mean, this isn't a like, new IP like, though. I mean, a new IP. Like, well, like you, like you're not. It doesn't look like anything we have right now. It's something new. Like, like Death Stranding is new, right? You took a chance. I'm waiting to see who is ready to take a chance and say, let's try something, right? I mean, Google likes to Google likes to throw money at shit and then just to throw it out in the garbage because they have the money to do so. I want to see the next AAA company that's got the money to do so. Like, if you listen, if you made a billion dollars in quarter four of 2019. Then you got enough money to put three hundred thousand or, or, or 300, 300 million or four hundred million dollars towards a new IP and see what happens, right? Right. No skin off your nose. You're gonna get. You're gonna get another billion dollars next quarter. All right. So the next thing up, I want to talk about Disney. Right. Disney wants more developers to make games like Spider Man and Star Wars Jedi Fallen Order. 
Okay, Disney's catalog is open up to anyone with a great idea. Sarge, let's do it. Let's hit up. I'm not giving. Let's I'm not giving Disney. Disney any of my fucking ideas. If they want my ideas, they can watch 300 podcasts. <laughs> I have them pay someone to watch our podcasts. So, so after moving away from developing games uh, internally, Disney is inviting developers to their pitch ideas for games using the incentive library of properties. Okay. Um, the senior vice president or principal of the Games Interactive Experience spoke at the 2020 Dice Summit in Las Vegas, dealing the new approach of Disney taking its regards to having a properties represented in games again. Uh, quote, I'm here to specific reason to empower you to real uh, real unique things in our catalog. Uh, Shop tall during the keynote said he wanted to tap into the power of creatives across the industry. Uh, Shop tall invited developers in attendance to come and play with the properties of Disney owns, which has grown extensively over the company's purchase of 20th Century Fox last year. Along with the gaming division, he emphasized the desire of the original stories using established characters in the franchise, uh, citing Somniac Spider-Man and Respawn's Star Wars Jedi Fallen Order as good examples of how successful this broad approach can be. Working with other publishers isn't new to Disney. The company has had decades of spanning deals with Square Enix for Kingdom Hearts, as well as exclusive ones for EA for Star Wars adaptations. This uh, appearance uh, of Dice, uh, first time is stepping away from the internal development at Disney and de and detailing in strategy for video games looking going forward. So we talked about this, I want to say about a year ago, right? Because I was pissed off that Disney got rid of the Disney Infinity, that game, where the little figurines that you could, you know... Cost... The profit yeah, it was too. It was too much of a cost for them, right? But the game itself—that's an amazing. That's an amazing thing. A collectible toy. Yeah. That you put on, and now there are figures inside the game. Right. That was a awesome idea. From that, Skylanders and Mario and all this stuff all came out, and and they're happy with it. They're still doing with doing with it. What do you think? Like, do you think Disney's like, all right, look. Let's make a Mickey Mouse game. Let's make a Goofy game. Let's make a make a Wolverine game. Any anybody that's under Disney's umbrella, they want a standalone game like Spider Man slash, you know, uh, yeah, but you're not gonna Jedi get, Fallen Order. You're not going to get a Spider Man game every year for Disney. No, you know what but I mean. That's what like, I'm saying. They have so many characters. Something like this already happened in the past. Anytime that some they try to pump out a game this quickly, you end up with a bunch of shitty games. That's what it was. Yeah. Right. Disney had a bunch of shitty games before. And if they're trying to push this agenda again, they're going to have a bunch of shittier games again. They're just they're just going to cost more money. <clears throat> Duplass, you don't know what the Disney Infinity characters were? Like the the Star Wars figurines, the Marvel ones. Like they have, I, little, they, have, they have a little base on them, and you put the base here. on on the controller pad. Hold on, I can I can grab one. Yeah, and then if you the only way the only way that you could actually play the character in the game is if you actually bought the figure, and then you put the figure on the stand, and then the game would appear in the game. Yeah. Like yeah, things, yeah, that, that's what we're doing. These things are awesome, right? Yeah. These things, I, I love he the... He gets it, he gets it. Okay, so like they have like Ahsoka Tanu, right? And the art on this stuff is 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 amazing, okay? The art of it is amazing. The Incredible Hulk, like, look at that, right? It's fucking amazing. It's, it's an awesome. awesome. An, an awesome collectible that can actually be put into a video game. It's a genius idea. It's yeah, you can level this it. up. You can level this up, right? And if I want to sell this, and let's say he's a level like 50 in the game, I could literally trade this to somebody, and, and he could give me something else to play. And when you put this, you go to your friend's house, you take your figure in, you put it on the thing, boom, it's in the game, and you're playing with your character, right? Right. So, I don't know. 
I have a whole bunch of Star Wars figures and Marvel characters and, and stuff. They're they're really cool. I just liked collecting them for the actual like right. the, the the characters. I was I was buying them because I was like, oh, this would be cool because my son could play with the toys, and then he could actually put them in the game. And then while he was like two, they fucking just said, oh, we're, we're not supporting anymore, and they got rid of it. And I was like, oh, that's that's profit, depressing. Profit. profit. They're, they're, they were too expensive. Profit margins weren't big enough. They couldn't get people to actually get involved. Right. Right. Well, Skylanders and all of them took that from them. And this was not a podcast, but me and my buddy, uh, Lord Many, years and years ago, we had the idea of taking toys like this and implementing it into a video game. And boom. Now it's all over the fucking place. Swear to God. Swear to God. He he laughed out of it when he's like he's like have you seen have you seen the Skylanders and stuff he's like this is the idea we had I was like I know I know we used to work at this amusement park and we would sit down and come up with all these fucking ideas and that was one of them right that was one of the ideas so going forward though I think the Disney it's endless right not only are they looking to go look EA has the Star Wars license right now but Hopefully we want for not much longer we want other I think that's why they're doing this right we want other people because. Then someone can make like a Mace Windu game, and then someone can make a Clones game, and someone can make another game, and then every year a Star Wars saturating. I don't think it's got to be. It's got to be something interesting, though. But let's say listen, listen. Let's say they did make a Mace Windu game, and it did really well. Well, all that would mean is it's a more detailed version of Jedi Fallen Order, right? But it's a story. It's about the story about it, right? Like, What about taking the spot right after? Like that. But after you make a game like that, now you got to come out with a first-person shooter. And then after that one, with a different character. And then after that one, you do an RTS. Like, you got to mix it up. No, 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 absolutely. Just go, you just can't keep pumping up every character, different game. Like, you're doing a Madden game. You just can't do it. No, no, that's what I'm saying. Like, they come out with, like, a Mace Windu game, and it takes place of it takes place of right after he got shot out the window in the Revenge of the Sith, all right? Where he just shuts out of the window, and it takes place of him surviving the drop, and then you, you play Mace Windu. That would be a cool idea, right? And then the next Star Wars game comes out, follows the troopers that do order 66 which takes place in the same realm but now it's a co-op game right like stuff like that would be interesting right yeah but the kind of games that i have in my head would blow your fucking head away like let, let's let's go with the mace windu one right let's go with the mace window let's say after he falls off the building he lived right fuck disney he, he lived okay he did, he did live all right whatever so now you're on the run yep you can't tell people you're a jedi yep and you're trying to heal yourself over time, learning new skills and abilities. But you're torn, and then the story of the game is you're torn because people come up to you, they want help, you know you can help them, but the more you help people, the more that other people try to hunt you down because they know you're alive. Right. Right? So you're balancing between helping people and then not dying. And now here's here's the kicker, right? You make the game where it's one life. Oh. You make the game where it's one life. Now, there are games that do this, you get so far. You die, and then you learn, and then you try something different, or you try something different. And so you learn by doing and dying, and the game starts over, and then the better you get, the longer into the game you go until you get to the point now where you're strong enough that you're not worried about dying. Right. But the beginning of the game is hard. That would be... You don't know how to die. That would be pretty interesting because it, yeah. it would be one of the most powerful Jedi. Yeah. Right? But you couldn't use his powers to its full potential, Right. right. Because they send bounty hunters. <clears throat> they send they send stronger and stronger guys after you until you, if you're not right. strong enough, if you're not strong enough to defend against them, you're gonna die. Right. See, I, it's, 
That's pretty yeah. funny. That's pretty cool because everyone wants to be a Jedi. Kind of like, like a reverse, kind of like a reverse Hitman. Where oh like, yeah. Like picture Hitman, but like instead of you going after people, like they're going after you. Right. That'd be like, pretty and interesting. While, and while you're helping other people and doing missions, you you may feel like you're being watched, right? And that's what the game does. Like you might get like, these tingles while you play the game. It's it'll say like you sense something, or you feel uneasy, and then you're like, oh shit. I got to help this dude, but I think someone's at, I think, I think they're close. I would, like, wouldn't that be, wouldn't that be kind of cool? Like you feel like you're being hunted, but you're trying to help somebody. And like, that's the mission. I, I, mean, I like I, it. I like it. I like it. I would like to have a star Wars game. Hell, I wouldn't even, I'll take any, I'll take any, even if they take an MMO type game for Disney with all the characters. Right. And they you just make like a, a wow game, but with the, in the in the Disney universe, you know what I'm saying? Like where it's like evolving, and you're like building little towns and little things. I know they've tried it before with like I think it was called Toontown or something like that. Uh, it was an MMO, but I can see Disney. You can make a battle royale Disney, right? Like you can make little games like this. I think a Star Wars battle royale would actually be pretty fucking cool. To be honest with you, I played the Star Wars characters in the Fortnite. Uh, when they did the, the 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 promotion for it, and I was like, "This feels fucking good!" Like you had this lightsaber, and you were going around like hacking and slashing things. I was like, "I don't want it to be Fortnite-ish," but I was like, "I could see a Star Wars battle royale in like the Clone War time, right? Where it's just clones versus troopers. You know what I mean? And like you do a battle royale that's team based. It's not solo oriented, where you're the clones." There's Jedi, and then there's the the Separatists or stuff, and they they're all battling it out or whatever. I I could see stuff like that. You have to you have to take what you what we just saw, right? They've taken other games and implemented it into this game for out out of run. I think something along the lines. Disney could just take anything. We always we I always say that if Destiny was Transformers or Destiny was a, a brand that we could, it would be a completely different beast and people would like it more, right? If it was a Star Wars Destiny. Be- I like. I would like it. I would like the game to be more evolved to where I, I, I want to go back to a style that people don't seem to like because it, it grows with the fan base, right? So how about like a, a game where everything in the game is made by the people? It's a, the yeah, like galaxies, is, like Star the, Wars the economy, galaxies. The economy yeah. is the people, right? So a type of person who likes to build things would be the guy who goes out and mines and finds and learns the mining of the game. And creates the weapons, and then the guys who want to hunt the creatures have to buy the weapons. You know, like I like that kind of stuff. And like, it starts off slow. It right. starts off slow. You might not like the game right away. This game is bullshit. It's like a bunch of cavemen walking around. What is this fucking Star just talking about? Ark? Fuck Ark! Like, no, I'm not talking about Ark. Right? right. But what I'm saying is that type of progression where the game is in better. a world that you know the more, of. The yeah. more people that play the game, the game gets better. Now, maybe you don't get to play all the time. It's not about being wealthy or powerful. It's like if you're not on, the guns aren't being made. So somebody else has to get on and start making weapons. Right. Or or research them better. And maybe people bring you stuff that says, I break this stuff down and I can learn how to make better weapons. Right? And then we get to go a little further into the world. Right? And and the harder creatures are further away from the town. And the further <laughs> we go, the better we have to be. Right? And then people start making like little towns and they start over again. Like this town now is where all the good guns are because the harder creatures are over here. Right. And so I want to be on the front lines and that's where I want to be. That's where everyone gathers and builds their shops and stuff like 
that kind of stuff intrigues me because then the game is run actually by the people, right? I and like so that. maybe you get on during maybe you get on during your shift to get on and like, man, there's nobody on. No one's selling shit. I gotta go I gotta be like I gotta be on my own. I gotta I gotta find loot myself. I can't buy anything, so I'm like scraping at the barrel trying to survive, right? And then all of a sudden someone gets on and says, Hey man, I got some stuff. Like, I need this. If you get me this, I can sell you weapons. Or if you get this resource, but I can get you this. What's what's the what's the main drive of the whole of the whole thing? Like, why do you need it's, that weapon? It, it why be, do you need it? Would be, well, the, the the loot would be the loot, meaning that specific weapons are for specific kills. Like, if I'm going to go this way, these guys are heavily armored. I need armor piercing, right? Or these guys over here, mm. uh, you can only kill with like blades and whatnot. They like, right. If you're a hunter, whatever. you can't you can't level up that stuff. You need someone else to help you level up that thing to use those things. I got it. Right. The skills the skills you have being able to kill a guy, you know how to kill it. But now I need the weapon to kill it. Everyone needs everybody to right. to level it's up had, and do stuff. Be, and you can't master you can't master everything yourself. Right, you right. have to rely on somebody else a little bit. That'd be like, a, that'd be a pretty a tough game, but I, I I get it. I like it. Yeah. I'm not saying MMO. I'm saying small. Yep. And 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 as games as service goes, Mike, think about it. The bigger the game gets, the more people are interested. And now because the game is already solidified, you know, people try shit. They're going to try a new game, and so they're they they're they're clawing their way out. And then as the game grows a little bit bigger, more people come in because they're interested now. Then all of a sudden, when the game gets really big and there's giant towns, everyone's like. Wow, what's this game? So, like, so would it be what what IP would it be in the Disney universe though? What IP would it be? I, I think it have to be kind of like because they're not asking just to make games; they want to use the characters and stuff that they have. Yeah, yeah, I know. I I I don't know. I haven't got that far yet. I'm just thinking about the mechanics of the game. Here's here's a game I think Disney should make like yesterday. Okay, there's Roller Coaster Tycoon. There's part uh, uh Planet Coaster. They need to make their planet coaster but for disney themed only right like you get to make the disney park right and you can even make it into how about you are the ceo right because strategy games like this and building games are very popular with the europeans and stuff like that you're like bob Iger, and you have to run disney's company right and you get to be like that person sort of sort of like tropico i guess you could say right where you have to run the business but at the same so time, you're, you're, you're an evil dictator that runs Disney. Run, runs Disney, but you have to put it in a good light because Disney won't won't make it like a bad thing. But it would be it would be awesome if they could do something like that where you can build a theme park in your vision of what Disney should be, right? And everything's open, everything's open. So if you want to make a universal like a, a X Men world, all the IP and stuff for X Men is there for anything for Marvel, anything for Disney itself, any TV show, and it's just you build your theme park. And now what what they could do, very simple, right? Anything you come up with in that game, Disney owns the rights to, like Blizzard owns is the thing, right? Oh yeah, that's what you need. So if you have the if you have a thing that you put and you make this world in the game, they're like, wow, that looks pretty fucking good. They can go, we're taking that, we're making it, and we're building the fifth park, right? Like they could come up with this stuff like this. But I really think they should make a simulation game. I really think they should make a a, a park ink or, you know, I I think currently video games, even though there are a lot of good games that have come out that are fun to play, I think the scope and the the, the vision of games has gotten very narrow. Everybody's making the same type of games. They're, they're, only the indie guys are trying to find their way through, the, through right. the pile, and they're trying whatever. I just think that they need to, we, they need to go back down the road where it's art. 
I want to sell the art. Show me what you can make. Right. You can, you'll find your audience, but their, their mindset is too much on the money, not on the, on the game. That's what it is. So going like, forward, I think in the next system, I think Disney's going to have a shit ton of games coming out now that they've well, done this. Yeah, maybe, but I still think it'll be too many games all at once, and it's going to be a crap fest. You remember the crap fest of the 90s? You remember how many IPs of Disney games came out? They were just all crap. Like, there's a, there's a chipmunk game, and there's a Mickey game, and yeah, but I was this a, kind of game. But like, yeah, I get it. But I was okay. I was okay crap. with that. Like, I played Chippendales Rescue Rangers. I played, like, DuckTales and stuff like that. I played all those games. Uh, Darkwing Duck. It, it'll be the same kind of thing. Just the, the games will cost more money, and more people will buy them, but they'll still lose money in the long run because... It's just a bunch of crap games. I think that would be a cool game, though. Like, if you could make a adventure game like Tomb Raider, but with DuckTales, right? Like, or your Tailspin, okay. like Tailspin, right? You're an adventurer, right? You're Scrooge McDuck, and you're trying to find treasure. You're It's exactly like Tomb Raider, but you're fucking Scrooge with McDuck Disney with Disney characters, yeah. right? Yeah, like you I can see it. Like, you take other games like that, take from the IP stuff, and then implement it into games that are already out, right? Or brand new games like theme park simulator of disney right ceo of disney ducktales adventures like like tomb raider you have your you have your star wars uh I, I just came up with four fucking titles right here right call me disney i'm right around the corner i'll come to you and we'll talk i got plenty of ideas okay i got i got plenty of ideas but look say what you want about disney but they have so many pixar characters alone with toy story and all these there's so much you could do. There's so much you could do. Hell, what about if you made a game, okay, to teach kids how to actually draw, right? To teach kids to actually how to draw and do the animations and stuff for Pixar, right? Think about that. You're literally training your next kids to come up to be your next animators and stuff, right? You make a game like that, okay? It's genius, right? They pay you money, to learn how to be an actual character. And it could be a games of service. Every week, an artist from Disney implements another character and you know how to animate. And the ones that are the ones that are playing the game could try to copy what he does or see how he draws it. Yes. Yeah. 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 You could take the characters themselves and put them in the game and you could do like stop motion and make everything like make your own uh machinima stuff, right? With the Disney characters that they put in the game. And get let them let them get interested in it. Right. Yeah. And you could purchase new packs of like oh you want to use the toy story you charge them 10 bucks boom you get the you get the story toy story things and now they can act on your stage and you can do stuff i fucking got i got ideas for days people i got ideas for days all right moving forward from the disney i want to talk about e3 e3 uh we all we all know that playstation is not going to be there i'm going to read this i think playstation it's this at, is this this is gonna get this is gonna get hairy. This conversation gonna get hairy because I, I I have a lot of theories on this. <clears throat> All right, so Sony will announce again that skipping E3 despite the PS5's imminent launch this holiday season. The company has told uh, game industry that they will not have presence in the E3 2020. Quote, after throughout evolution of C, uh, SIE and decided to not participate in E3 2020, Sony said, we have to have great respect for the ESA and organization, but we do not feel the vision of E3 2020 is the right venue for what we are focused on this year. Now, remember that quote there, folks. Okay, that's a quote that Sony said that they feel the vision of E3 2020 is not the right venue for them. Okay, 
In lieu of the attending E3, Sony says it's participating in hundreds of consumer events across the globe this year to promote the PS4 and PS5 games. Our focus is on making sure fans feel a part of the PlayStation family and have access to the play of their favorite content. We have fantasy li lineup and titles coming to PlayStation 4 with the upcoming launch of PlayStation 5, and we're truly looking forward to this year's celebration with our fans, the company said. The ESA, which organizes E3, has recently stated... Uh, expect expecting the year's show to be exciting as previous years. E3 is a signature event celebrating the video game industry, showcasing the people's brands, innovations, and uh, entertainment loved by billions of people around the world. Uh, will be ex exciting, high-energy show featuring new experiences, partners, exhibit spaces, activities, and programming. Now, this marks the second year in a row that Sony has opted out of the annual gaming expo. Did it hurt them in any way? No. Okay, last year, they Sony... Saved, they saved a bunch of money. Right, on their car insurance, because they used Geico. Sony said that it's not, not being attended E3 because it was looking uh, looking for other incentive opportunities to connect with its own community. PlayStation fans mean the world to us. This is a quote from them. We always want to innovate and think differently to experiment the new ways of delight gamers. As a result, we have decided not to participate in the E3 2019 and now 2020. While E3 has traditionally been a major venue for uh, video games and console reveals, this wouldn't be the first time Sony has unveiled, uh, unveiled a system outside of the Expo. Back in 2013, Sony officially pulled back the curtain of the PS4 during a special PlayStation meeting media, uh, media event uh, prior or before uh, E3. So PlayStation's not going. They say they don't like the vision of E3, right? And then we have xbox talking about they're going right so phil spencer has confirmed uh phil spencer has confirmed that xbox will attend e3 2020 sony announced that the second year in a row that playstation will not be attending in a brief tweet this matter spencer promised that the team at xbox is working on their e3 showing for this year and that they look forward to sharing it with all of us in the play ahead of us, okay? Phil Spencer, quote, says, Our team is at hard at work at E3, and we look forward to sharing with you the love and play that is ahead of us. Our uh, art form has constantly been uh, propelled by the cross-section of creative technical progress of 2020, is a milestone year, and the journey for the team Xbox. Okay, this likely means that Microsoft will show games coming in Xbox Series X at E3 this year, and is due to release in 2020 is over. However, the game, all games coming to the Series X at launch will also be coming to other consoles, as it will have no Gen, uh, Gen X exclusives the console is unveiling during the 2019 Game Awards. As of yet, Sony has not revealed any PlayStation 5, and the features uh, remain. Now, Xbox, I just had a podcast that launched today at noon talking about Microsoft's team up with Samsung. Okay, so Samsung phones have tem teamed up with Microsoft. So games, Project X Cloud, will now be on Samsung phones, right? So all I have to say to that is game, set, match. Okay, because Samsung is the largest distributor of mobile phones next to Apple. Okay. Now Microsoft is on iOS, they're on Samsung phones, Project X Cloud takes the Xbox and brings it to your mobile device anywhere, anytime you want to play. They have Game Pass on the PC, they have Game Pass on the consoles, they have Game Pass, which is now on Project X Cloud, which will now be able to play. Uh, it's in beta right now, Duplis, I'm playing it, so it's on iOS, okay? It's phenomenal. Okay, it's phenomenal. Okay, game set match. 
it doesn't matter how many systems PlayStation sells, because I can tell you, for every one PlayStation sold, there's 10 to 15 people playing an Xbox game on their mobile phone, PC, or console somewhere, someplace, okay? Every system, I'm telling you, okay? So PlayStation can sell as many consoles as they want and say, hey, we're the winners of the console wars, and Microsoft says... Microsoft built its uh, this trillion dollar business off software, okay, and we're doing the exact same thing again with with the with the gaming industry. <clears throat> At least on their beta sign up, there's a website. If only lets you choose Android as an option. They're only invited ten thousand people uh, to to test out the iOS. Um, it's good. I'm just gonna, I'm just gonna say that. All right. I played on the Android device. I had my brother-in-law because I didn't have an Android device. Uh, he loaned me his tablet, and I played it on that. Works flawless. Had no issues. Okay? I've had it for about two days now for the iOS. It's fantastic. No issues. Okay? So, now, they're going to E3, but they're separate from E3, right? They're in their own venue. Okay? Can you play on your toaster? Not yet. Not yet. Maybe on your smart fridge someday. Maybe. <laughs> right now let's go to jeff Keeley. okay now the thing that playstation said was they weren't comfortable and didn't like the vision that they had at e3 now e3 2020 will be different as jeff Keeley drops out of the coliseum event now this is a show that he produced that was on e3 or i'm sorry at e3 on youtube okay this was his show that he did for the last i think five years or something like that so E3 2020 is getting another shakeup, and its host and producer, Jeff Keighley, has announced that he will not be participating in the E3 this year. Specifically, he won't be producing the E3 Coliseum, uh, the game showcase to introduce the conjunction with the Entertainment Software Association in 2017. In the statement, Keighley explained his decision and said he looks forward to supporting the industry in other ways. Let's just put a pin on that for a second. Yeah, okay. you definitely put a pin in that word right there. Okay. Yep. For the past 25 years, I've attended, the, uh, this is a quote from him, for the past 25 years, I've attended the Electronic Arts uh, or Electronic Entertainment Expo, he said, covering the hosting and sharing E3 has been my highlight of my year, not to mention a defining part of my career. I've debated on what to say about E3 2020. While I want to be support and developers who will be showcase their work, I also need to open up and be honest with you, which is really strange, the fans about uh, precisely what to expect from me. Okay, I have made the difficult decision to decline and produce E3 Coliseum for the first time in 25 years. Now, he doesn't produce that show for 25 years. He's gone to e, uh, e3 for 25 years as a right. as a news reporter a host a producer and stuff like that I will not buy I will not be participating in e3 I look forward to supporting the industry in other ways at the other events in the future Keely added in some additional context in his Twitter replies he said a ton of factors went into his decision to back out I just don't really feel comfortable participating given that what I know about the show as of today which is very strange, right? In another tweet, he said the decision to back out wasn't related to money. He honestly didn't even get that far, he said. Keeley also produces the host the Game Awards and hosts a similar event at Gamescom last year. 
Now, E3 has been undergoing changes over the last few years, both from within the ESA and outside forces. The organization made the show open to the public in 2017, and the same year Keeley began the Coliseum Showcase. Since then, the show floor has been changing, most notably with the absence of PlayStation in 2009. Sony has announced it will once again skip this event this year, and the first press conference from Limited Run Games was recently announced that he expected to, uh, more show details on, on the coming this week. Now, since then, okay, Keeley has retweeted articles, okay, I think like six or seven of them, saying that he's not going to E3. For someone to be that, I don't want to say, because he is, he's a, he's a, he's a, a person of this industry. You look at Keeley and go, he knows about games, he produces a lot of stuff, he does the Video Game Rewards show, which I think got like 68 million viewers this year for the Video Game Rewards, which is it tripled or doubled from the year before, which doubled the year before that. So he's a he's a <coughs> excuse me he's a player to be reckoned with in this in this field. So him not showing up and saying I'm not going, people are like, well, what what matters? It's still going to go with on without you, right? But he wants to make a statement saying, look, I'm not going to be there, and I don't like the way it's going and what I've seen, so I'm backing out. And then he retweets that over and over and over and over and over to show people, hey, as many people out there to know, Jeff Keighley is not going to be at E3, okay? So what is his what is his plan? What is his thing, okay? He didn't like where the industry was going with reward shows. Like, there was really none for reward shows, so he made an award show, okay? I think, and I don't know what you think, Sarge. I don't know if I should let you go first. I, I, don't, I, don't, I, think, I think a lot about this. Go ahead. Okay. No, you go. Go ahead. I personally think that he's got something in the works. We probably won't see it this year, okay? We'll see it next year. I think Keeley, he's got so much backing and so much clout now, okay, that I think Keeley can start his own convention, okay? The convention that he thinks the video game industry should have and the way it should go, right? He told his opinion to the to the ESA. They didn't they didn't like his ideas, and so he's backing out. They don't like the way it's going now the way it's going they said in a statement earlier or late last year that they're going to bring in like big celebrities and stuff like that to try to promote the games i think jeff Keeley has enough clout that he can start his own convention now where am i getting this from right i know some people that started destiny con which then turned into guardian con which now turned into gcx which is professor broman king Athalian, and kevin okay k magic 101 They've never, I mean, Kevin worked in the industry for convention, like pl planning and stuff like that. But these three guys created a convention that they didn't know what they were doing. And they didn't really have clout. They had clout in that one genre of game, which was Destiny, which they made Destiny Con, which then made the Guardian Con, which then is now GXX or GCX. If these guys could do it and they didn't have the backing and banking of what Keeley has, okay, there's a lot of money. A lot of money into conventions, okay, and I and I'm not taking anything away from Goth and Broman and, and K Magic. Their 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 event is awesome. If you haven't been to one of these things, I'm going to get in this year. GS GCX is fantastic. Okay, it's right here in Orlando. This is not paid advertising. I'm just giving you heads up about it. Right. Um, I think Keeley can call some people up and be like, "What about if we start our own fucking E3? What about if we start our own convention and give the the players?" And the developers, what they really need, right? Like, look at the eyeballs that I got on the video game reward show, 
right? Look at the look at the the population that we got. Look at the the things that we announced at a video game reward show. Why why don't we do something like this for the convention? What do you think, Sarge? What, what's your idea, and what do you think he's up to? Well, the fact that he even the the way he words it about how he he pulls himself away from it because he doesn't like the direction that it's headed. All right, let's talk about that briefly. All right, once again, corporations are trying to take over the art industry. Okay, and what's going to end up happening is you're going to end up with like Taylor Swift plays Call of Duty right. amongst amongst the right, right. female girls. I got what you're saying for the new for the new Call of Duty game coming out in the fall. Like that's the kind of bullshit that they're going to try to have that try to put across on people. They're going to put like a, a a celebrity surrounded by whatever. They're going to pay them. And they're going to try to overhype a game that no one knows anything about, but because a celebrity played it, they think that's going to work out for them. Like that's the direction I think that they're that Keeley is talking about. Like that kind of nonsense. Now, I think that if Keeley is talking the way I think he's talking, we're talking about like old school type of convention where you have developers come in, possibly a lot of indies, and everybody trying to get together to show what their thoughts and ideas are and hardcore gamers get special attention that they're there for these particular guys. Right. And then everybody's, they're showing you what they're making. Like they're actually showing you what they're making. Yeah. Close, close groups, not like total on the floor screens, but like close groups. You're interested in this developer. This is what we have. No phones, no cameras. We're showing you this and they'll show you outside their booth, whatever, like what they're working on, like the ideas they're having. And like, it becomes more about the developers. And what the developers are trying to make and what gamers are looking to see. Like, mm. I think that's the direction that he's talking about. So you you, you think he's going to make a con or something along those lines the, the same way then? I, I believe that it has to go back in the other direction. You, you have to decorporatize this bullshit and go back to what it is. It's about the games. It's not about trying to hype out a product. It's about the games. What what What's the new hardware coming out? What's the new software coming out? Right. What engines are you guys coming out with? What are we trying to push in the industry? Is it software this year? Is it hardware this year? What kind of games can we get to run on whatever platforms? Whatever they can get. What what The real hype about E3 used to be the products themselves. Like, what are you guys coming up with? Like, what do you guys got down coming down the pike? Not promising the same shit over and over again. Oh, by the way, Call of Duty's coming out. Oh, by the way, Madden's coming out. Right. I, like, think, I, think, I think you're right about the developers, though. I think it starts there. I think it starts with the developers as far as bring it back to the basis of let the developers be the opening. Instead of instead of bringing it to the internet like it is, you bring in your hardcore people that love these games and stuff like that and media as well. But like I think if he if he does something like this, it'll start off small the very first year and then just explode. Because if a developer can come in and get feedback directly from the actual people that play their games that's huge content they, they show them a, a, a they show them a piece of the, of the puzzle right they show them a piece of the game and they're like this is what we're doing and they're like or maybe he wants to put something together where instead of coming to e3 and saying hey this game's coming out in the next 18 months he puts something together and says look i only want people that are coming out with games within the next six months eight months like you're almost done and you're going to announce it here and this is what we're going to show and boom right i think that's i think that's what he's trying to do i think he's trying to do a one-two punch i think he's trying to do a setup for the reward show right he's going to come up with something halfway through the the year and then boom it's out now 
Video Game Awards show. Download it now here. Like he's he's looking at the bigger picture and and setting up. So then it's just one big cycle, right? End of the year video award show, which sets up the next year for the for the, his E three for his convention, and then boom, that sets up for the next award show. And it's just this thing. If someone can do it single handedly, I mean, with his clout that he has, I think Keeley could do it. I personally don't like Keeley. There's something raw off about him to me. Like he's, he, I feel like he's, I don't know, like his shit doesn't stink, but. He's good at what he does. He's a good interviewer. Okay. Uh, he he knows everybody in the business. Like literally everybody in the business. To to land uh, to land Microsoft to announce the Xbox that the video game award show, right? I mean, so I, I just see I just see something, even if he does something independent. I mean, I think he has his own production company. So he doesn't even need E3. He could just show up to PlayStation and interview them on his own. And put it on his own fucking YouTube channel. You know what I'm saying? Like, it, it doesn't matter anymore as, as, far, as far as the clout that E3 has. I don't think E3 is going to go off, though. I don't think it's going to just disappear. I think it'll always be there. We've talked about this in the past. But it, it's not going to be as popular as it is five years ago. At the pinnacle peak of what it was, it'll never be there again. It, it, it might actually it might actually go back the other way where it becomes just a plot spot for just the just the actual uh, the, 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 produce, the producers. And they don't invite any people anymore. It goes, it goes, it, right. it peaks up like it, it did, and then it goes back down to where it, it's just guys hanging out together to talk about their products. Well, I think the well, I think ES the ESA when they made it into the public could be there. I kind of they kind of ruined it, right? Because the the whole reason of E three is it's that remember where you could only watch it on G four. Remember yeah. you could always just that's it. Now you can watch it on Twitch and you can watch it on my stream because someone else is streaming it and everyone everyone can televise it. It becomes very saturated. It doesn't become very um, special. It doesn't become special. Everyone's tweeting about it every five seconds. You know everything that's up to the minute. It kind of like killed it for it, right? So now you got to kind of bring it back down, and and you got to funnel, and 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 the speed of the funnel of how the information flows, because if it just everyone can get it, then it's not special anymore, right? So. It, it's it's going to be interesting to see. Like it's going to take some time, but I w- I want to see what he's got in mind. I think he's got something planned. Oh, I think he does too. To say that he's not satisfied or he's not he doesn't feel comfortable. That's the word he yeah, uses. Think, any, look, think about somebody who's been in the video game industry for twenty five years. Says he's not comfortable around the, the video game industry. Yeah, it's 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 so, so weird. What it's got it, that what that means is the corporate level has gone out of hand. Is what that means. Whatever they have planned for this E three, guarantee it's going to be cringe. Now, what level of cringe? We don't know yet, but cringe is coming. Yeah, it's... I mean, I would like to see what he does. I would like to see him shake it up and be like, look, you guys don't want to listen to me? Boom, I started my own convention, right? It's called KeelyCon, right? Fucking <laughs> whatever it is, right? And he's, he's going to run with it. I think it, I think it actually might, might work out for, for him. All right, we got a couple minutes left. We got about 10 minutes left. Um, the, next, the next stories we have, I want to talk about... Well, let's talk about movies, right? The, the movies that we that are out right now, there's a Sonic movie out. There's a Birds of Prey movie, or Sonic's coming out, right? Birds of Prey, or did Sonic come out this weekend, or it comes out tomorrow? Sonic, I think, started today. Tonight, tomorrow, whatever, yeah. Yeah, today. Uh, so, Sonic's getting out, and it's actually pretty good. People are getting pretty good reviews about it. Now, the Metacritic score and stuff the, the, is beginning review-bombed, okay? But Sonic itself actually looks pretty decent, which was thanks to the public... For once they put that abomination of Sonic on the internet last year, they went, what the hell is that? That's not Sonic. You need to fix it. They went back. 
they fixed it. Okay. I, don't forget they, they, the company that actually fixed yeah, it. Went out of business. Yeah, they went out of business. Right? They fired them. But the, I think they'll get their jobs back because this movie, Jim Carrey's already talking about Sonic 2. Okay? He's already talking about Sonic 2 because it's actually getting really good good clout, right? Uh, Lehman Gaming said this is the best video game adaptation ever. Okay? Of all video game movies to be to made into well, a movie, let's, let's be honest, Mike. A lot of the games they suck. <laughs> like Super Mario Brothers set the standard for crap. Right, right, right. Better than Super Mario. He, that look. I don't know. I, I haven't really watched the movie reviews much, but Skill Up Skill Up's pretty straight up, straightforward when he does his reviews and stuff about video games. So I don't think he would tell you that a a movie is terrible or say it's good and it's terrible. He actually said it, it's the best adaptation of a video game. There ever is. Okay, and I went, oh, all right. I have to go see it. My son wants to go see it, so I'm going to go see it, right? Because it's a kid movie. Um, I'll, I'll tell you when I go see it. I don't know when we're going to see it, but I'll tell you when I go see it. The other movie, the movie industry is becoming more like video games every day, right? First, we had the the day one patch of Cats a couple of weeks ago, about a month ago, right? Where they forgot to put the goddamn hair on the hands and there was like wristwatches on people and they, they, they had to go back and download the fur on there so they could re-release it because people were like, Ugh, it's kind of, it's kind of weird, right? So that's the day one patch of movies now. Okay. They had to resend a copy of the film to each theater, which had to be astronomically expensive. Okay to repurpose it unless it was digital and it still would be expensive okay for that horrible shit show people were going to go watch that movie just because it was so bad they had to go watch it right it's like i don't want to watch it taste this this tastes like the ah it tastes like a bugger i don't know why i ate it that's why they went to go see cats right it was that the jelly beans that were like shit tasting and they're like let's go watch it then you have then you have sonic which was an abomination beforehand and demonic demonic cat right Right, so basically, it was like Anthem when they showed the trailer, okay, and they're like, "Up, oh, that's not how it looks." And then they went went back to the drawing board and fixed it before it actually launched, and now it actually looks like Sonic. Okay, so kudos to them. But the movie industry is becoming more and more like the video game industry by the year. Okay, every year it comes by, you're just like, "Wow, that's that's terrible." So here's another change that just happened. So Birds of Prey launched and bombed okay it made 33 million dollars opening weekend in america it made 88 million or 84 million overseas no no it's not released in china no no, no. overseas though okay yeah not released a- in china. 84 million in, in seas they came out and said that the reason it had a bad opening is because the coronavirus right and that, last time i checked yes there's coronavirus a couple places but it's in china and it wasn't supposed to release in China at all, right? right? Well, Suicide Squad didn't do that. Comic book, comic book movies don't really do very well over there, regardless, right? As a, as a whole, um, just a different culture. Okay, it, it it doesn't do like what like Star Wars didn't do very well over there, either, right? So people were confused. They're like Birds of Prey. I, I don't know what that is, right? And they're like, oh, that girl, the clown girl from Suicide Squad is in there now. Harley Quinn is one of the most popular female characters in the DC universe, especially maybe the most popular as far as villains next to like Catwoman. Okay. As far as an anti-hero type thing, right? They know Harley Quinn as the accompaniment 
to Joker, right? The Joker's henchman girlfriend, okay? Does whatever she... So they took that character, made Suicide Squads, and blew up, right? She was like one of the popular characters of that movie. And they went, all right, she's hot. Not like good looking, but she is good looking, right? But she's a hot character. Let's, Let's turn it into her own movie, right? But the problem is Harley Quinn is not that popular as a whole in the comic book land right? for the general public, right? Like hardcore people that like DC comics and stuff like that and Batman and stuff are like, oh, I love Harley Quinn. She's she, awesome. She has, a, she has a fan base. Absolutely. Yes, but not, but not, not the mass appeal as other characters. Correct. So they decide to take her from Suicide Squads. And of all the characters they could have done, because of the way the movie industry is right now, they said, let's take the, the girl because woman power. Cool. And this movie's not woke. Right, it's not woke in that in that statement of like women are more powerful or whatever or anything like that. Birds of Prey is an actual group of of of, of girls that's been around for decades. Okay, that's, that's a mass population has no idea about. It has no idea who they are, right? Because only like comic book fans comic would book. know, and the rest oh, of the... oh, and, and white male comic book people would know. Right, white, right, white, out of shape males. White, right, white, right. out of shape, out of shape elderly males. men. Who, right, who who floated the comic book industry for the last thirty five years know who Birds of Prey are. Exactly. The rest of them don't. Continue. Right. So, Birds of Prey, like, if you had said, oh, Birds of Prey is in the thing, you would think, like, Little Women. You're like, oh, Little Women, it's a type of movie like that. Like, Birds of Prey. What is that? Is that a, is that a Shakespeare movie? Is that that new documentation on TLC? Right. Like, they don't know what it is. So, obviously, no one's going to the theater to see it because Birds of Prey, they really didn't market it very well. Um, they're, they're banking it on... Harley Quinn's character. So what do they do? They said, well, that's confused. Maybe no one knows what it is. So they decide to change the name of the movie one week after into it. Released. After it's released. After it, it's released. It's now called Harley Quinn Birds of Prey, right? Put her up at the front. It's Harley Quinn's Birds of Prey instead of Birds of Prey. Okay. And I find this hilarious because they brought a movie out that nobody asked for, right? They're trying to hit a market, Okay. They're trying to hit a market that's not there. They're grasping for yes. There's women that read comics. Yes, there is. Sure. Okay. But if, you want, but if you want the percentage overall, we're not going to talk about it. Correct. If you take a movie and you kind of just you're like, hey, uh, what's a let's make a Squirrel Girl right in Marvel and then throw her out in her own. You'd be like, fuck a Squirrel Girl, right? That's a character. Right? Comic book fans would know what it is, right? Are there people that read the comic? Sure. Is there enough to make a billion dollars? Probably no. not. Right? Is there enough to justify spending $250 million making a movie about Squirrel Girl? Probably not. No. But the suits don't know. Right. All they see is hot girl, make sequel, right. make movie, <laughs> make money. Ugh. So they took Harley Quinn, which I didn't see Suicide Squads. I've seen the the promotions of her and i've seen clips of her i think she does a great harley quinn okay but i don't think she's strong enough she's not a wonder woman okay she's not a wonder woman if brie larson couldn't be captain uh captain marvel okay she can't have a standalone movie as harley quinn and they knew that they knew she couldn't have a standalone movie hence why they put her with the birds of prey Okay, but then when they market the movie, they're Birds of Prey, and they're like, oh, well, no one knows who the Birds of Prey are. Let's put Harley Quinn up front, and it's still not going to work. It's still going to so, bomb. Just so, and just so we're all clear, never in the history of movies has a movie ever changed the name after release. Right. 
There's been movies that changed the name prior to release. Prior to release. And there was one movie that they changed the name after release, but it was like eight months after which, release. Which one was that? And, and that was the one with Tom Cruise uh, where he repeats the same day over and over again. Oh. Uh, um, you know what I'm talking about? Uh, 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 come on, J- come on, brain. Not brain the guy, but my brain. Uh, ed- uh, edge of t- uh, uh, Thank you. Is that what it is? Edge of Tomorrow, right? Yes, 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 yes. It was Edge Edge of Tomorrow in the movie theater, but when it went to video, it was Live, Die, Repeat or something kind of nonsense like that. That's terrible. That's what it was. That's what it was. (laughs) I worked on a movie that was called Get Some, okay? That's what it was before it it launched, right? Lots of movies, lots of movies have different names – of a movie before it launches. When it launched, it was called Never Back Down. Okay? That was the movie, right? I worked on a movie called Get Some. I have a backpack. Actually, they gave us swag with like shirts and stuff and said Get Some on it. And it was a fight movie. Okay? But they changed it before it launched to Never Back Down. Right? And that's that's that was the movie that, that came out. That's cool. If you do that, you change it that way. Cool. But you don't change it after launch. Right? To You're like, oh, well, maybe no one's seeing it because they don't know Harley Quinn's in it. Right? Maybe they don't know yeah, it's a, yeah, a comic book movie. That's the reason. That's the reason. It's not because you guys have no idea who the characters are, where they're from. You've never written. A, you've never read a comic book before. You guys are just trying to collect on characters because you think that, that that characters are hot right now. So you're trying to collect money as best as you can because you have no idea what the fuck you're doing. I I, I think uh, they're doing. Just a- give me give me the name of the PR department for who's got Warner Brothers. Right? Give me the name of the PR department who's doing this for this movie. Oh, was there, was it only forty eight million dollars tweak? I thought it was eighty. I thought it was eighty million dollars. It was eighty million dollars total, maybe. Is that what it is? I gotta look it up. I could have sworn the article that I saw it said that it was eighty four million. Um, yeah, but you, but think of the level of stupidity that they, they that they that they come up with. They blame the coronavirus. It's not released in China. They blame that no one knows who Harley Quinn is, so they changed the name. It's not because the movie's poorly written. It's not because the movie's not done correctly. <clears throat> Reviews have said the movie's done ridiculous. Okay? It's just, it's a shitty story with shitty characters. With one character that you may know that's shitty in the movie. So, what do you think is going to happen? What, nobody owns the fact that you made a shitty movie. They point fingers. They say the males didn't go watch it. In 95, Jesus. The, the males, the males, the white males didn't go watch the movie Right, because we're sexist or whatever other excuse they came up with. I'm like, you guys are out of your fucking minds. Okay, people in the comic book industry who know comic book characters can smell shit from far away. You know when the movie's garbage. They don't pay to see garbage, right? You can't make a movie out of every character you have. Okay, it's not going to work. It's just not. So this was wait, was this the actual title of the movie before they changed it? It was called Birds of Prey. And the fabulous ant, uh, um, emancipation of one Harley Quinn. That was the name of the actual yeah. fucking movie. Yeah. Holy yeah. Christ! That's the longest title ever. Yes. So now they just change it: Harley Quinn and the Birds of Prey. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> like I didn't know. I thought it was just called Birds of Prey. No. I didn't know it was called the Birds of Prey and the no, fabulous. I thought, I, thought you were, I thought you were doing. I thought you were just trying to be nice because you didn't have to want to say the name of the movie over and over again. No, I, so you that's... shortened it. This, I thought you knew. I'm this, sorry. I this, thought you knew. This is the fucking... This is the actual... I'm going to put it in chat. Look how long this is. Look, that's the actual title. That's a book. That's a paragraph of a, of a, of a title. 
Wow. Who thought, whoever thought of that needs to get fired. Whoever came up with that title needs to get fired. And hopefully they fire it. And then was, was option two the second one? Harley Quinn and the Birds of Prey. I mean, I, if you can't, if, if, if you guys can't see the, the level of stupidity in the movie industry right now, they, they don't have a clue. They don't have an original idea in their head. They believe because comic book heroes are hot right now that they're going to pump out whatever they want and it's going to be gold, Jerry. Gold. <clears throat> it's not. It's not going to be gold. So okay. so right now they're they're estimating one point eight million dollars. Right. That oh I'm sorry. Yeah, one point eight. Is that what it is? A hundred, you mean? A hundred A hundred and eight million dollars. There's no way that it's making one point eight no. No, the, the total is ninety five million right now. Ninety five million dollars total. So it's gotta it's gotta break three hundred million to break even. No, it needs to break six hundred million to break even. Oh, they said that the cost of the movie was only a hundred and something million. You have to hundred twenty-five million. You double it. Triple. You have to no, tri- they said. They said, they I'm, said I'm, double. I'm telling you, man. You, you have to triple it. The advertisement alone. They said the advertisement is as much as the movie. Is what they it's, said. It's triple the amount of the movie. I don't know about triple, but okay. I'm telling you, that's why Star Wars barely made barely made money. The new Star Wars. Okay. You're, you're, you're telling me. I'm the one that works in the industry. I'm telling you. It's three times the amount of the actual budget of the, of the film. So if it cost a uh, million dollars, okay, advertisements, $3 million. So the budget's $4 million total, right? But they don't ever put that – they don't ever put the advertisement budget into the budget of the, of the film. They keep that separate, okay? They only tell you the budget. Oh, it's only a million-dollar film. So it's actually a four million dollar uh, film because they triple the triple the actual budget of the film to for for marketing purposes, okay? And because of the way advertisement works now, that's why they don't do any advertisement ahead of time. They like bombard you with advertisements like three weeks before, and that's it. Remember before it used to be like six months, eight months in advance they show you a, a, a advertisement and movie. Now they bombard you, bombard you, bombard you like three weeks before, and then the movie comes out and it bombs because they're like nobody knows what it is. Nobody cares what it is, and most and most movies, <clears throat> excuse me, are woke at, at this time, right? They're they're look at Faith, the Terminator movie bombed, Charlie's Angels bombed, Ghostbusters bombed, uh, uh, Ocean's Eight bombed, right? But that's because but that's because the white males aren't going to go watch it. Well, Brie Larson said it the best. I don't care what a forty-year-old white man has to say about my movie. <laughs> that was that was from Brie Larson's mouth from straight from her mouth. Okay. So. That 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 is the last story of the day. I do appreciate. Oh wait, actually no. I want to make one more, one more story, one more story. We talked about Ghostbusters, and I was like, man, I wish the whole cast would come back. Right? Bill Murray came back, and they, they filmed that movie. One person was missing. One person was missing, and everyone's like, ah, he he's not coming back. He's not coming back. Rick Moranis on his Twitter account came out and said, I'm back. Okay, because Disney. I'm back doing what? I'm back. He, he says, I'm back. Okay. He's coming back to make the next Honey, I Shrunk the Kids movie. Okay. I don't, we're, we're, we're making this again? I don't know if it's rebooted or... Here, let me see if I, I'll read the article. Perhaps an important film franchise of one time ready to make to return. No, it's about Back to the Future, Lord of the Rings. No, it's not Star Wars. Even the, the Marvel Cinematic Universe. It's 
Honey, I Shrunk the Kids is back in a previously reported big news, though. The project's even lured Rick Moranis back into the fold. The news comes to the deadline, which reports the new entry of the series, titled Shrunk, Shrunk, Shrunk is in the works. It's just called Shrunk. Uh, with Josh Gad, Frozen 2, starring alongside Mor- Moranis is Joe Johnson, who directed the original film and is expected to return as well. The film, uh, uh, Gad plays a son uh, scientists of uh, Moranis played who developed a shrinking ray accidentally used in his chil- uh, on his children uh, character like this his father aspires to be the greatest scientist but ends up shrinking the children and there's seriously something wrong with this with his family the addition of Moranis will come back and surprise to many given how he has few roles since 1997 and in 2005 he explained his self-imposed hiatus from acting was largely due to raising his children as a single parent after his death of his wife so that's the reason he left right Good for him. Understandable. Good for him. As a single parent, I just found it was too difficult to manage raising my kids and doing travel and evolving and making movies. So I took a little bit of a break and a little bit of a break turned into a longer break. And then I found it really doesn't miss it and explained to the U.S. today. After the success of Honey, I Shrunk the Kids in 1989, two more two more films followed along with the TV series and three theme park attractions. And the franchise has become largely dormant since the Honey, I Shrunk the Kids, the TV show ended in 2000. So there you go. Rick Moranis is coming out of retirement. He said, fuck it. Paychecks must be good. My kids are all grown up. They're in their 20s now, right? And he's like, I'm going to make bank again, right? So, honey, I shrunk the kids. I wish he came back and did the Ghostbusters. I really wish. Hopefully, he makes some sort of cameo, something along those lines. It would be, it'd be well, really if, nice. If, if they want to make a cameo, they'll just re-release the movie, Mike. They'll just do a, right, a Blu-ray. Patch. Yeah, yeah. They'll do a, no, they'll do a day one <laughs> day patch, one patch. The movie and just put Rick Moranis with, in it. With two minutes left, he comes back out. Hey, where's the chips? You know, he goes yeah, like out of, out of just, nowhere. You know. So I'm actually excited for Rick Moranis. I love Rick Moranis and all the movies he did. Right, Spaceballs is one of the greatest films of all time by Mel Brooks. Right, I love I love Spaceballs. Uh, what was what's the other one? The the two the two Canadians. Oh God, I can't think of the. Uh, oh yeah, the the brew the brew the brewmaster the brewmasters. Yes, 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 Strange uh, Brew. Thank you, Brain. Strange brew. Uh, just he's been in so many movies that are just iconic characters, right? And I'm I'm glad that he's coming back to do, and it's a sequel. It's not a it's not a remake or an inner space. Yeah, he's great. He's a, he's a he was a good funny actor. There's not very many actors like him acting anymore. Like the way well, he used to do stuff. He's, he's old school. He's from the SC SCTV times. Yeah, he, with John Candy and a few other the other guys. Yeah, so glad to see him back. And that's the last story of the day. So Rick Moranis is making coming back. I didn't even know he had a fucking Twitter account. Like I was like, this this can't be the real Rick Moranis. He didn't have a check mark next to his name. So, but yeah, no, what, he's, no blue check mark. No blue it's check rumors. mark. Yeah, no, it's it's Rumor. real. He came out and said it. So that is the stories for this past week. Episode two hundred four is in the can. Generation X Gaming is a weekly podcast that goes over a few of the top stories in the past week, and we rant along the way. You can listen to us right here every single Thursday at mixer.com slash 30 and still gaming live. If you don't want to watch us live, you can listen to us after the fact on youtube.com slash 30 and still gaming. And if you don't want to listen to us on our visual, you can listen to us in your ear holes on iTunes, Google Play, Spotify, and anchor.fm. Uh, if you'd like to support the cast in any way, shape, or form, you can uh, go to anchor.fm's link right there. Oh, it's not up and running. Let me open that up real fast. Sorry, boys and gals. <clears throat> you can go to pot. You can go to anchor.fm, and if you'd like to do it as little as ninety nine cents per month, uh, all of it goes towards equipment and whatever else. Uh, so, Sarge had a new microphone, as you can tell. He's got a new microphone. Oh, there it is. There it is. Um, so yeah. 
So check us out. We're here every single Thursday for the last five years. We're in season six now, uh, 2020. Do appreciate you guys coming out and watching and listening. Make sure you follow Sarge, Sarge McCluskey on Twitter. Make sure you follow me on Twitter at 30 and Still Gaming. And if we don't see you on the next one, we'll see you when we see you. Take care. Take care, guys. Two brothers and gamers that have been playing games since the early 1980s. Combined, they have over 65 years' experience. Join them each week as they discuss and rant about gaming and entertainment news. This is Generation X Gaming.